Episode 179 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Uh, I think it's two weeks in a row. All co-hosts are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until next week. You'll be here. Two weeks. Oh, okay. So I got you next week. I think you got me next week. Because next week you're making dinner for, for me and Robert. Yeah. Booty and stuff. Yeah. Hold on. Let me check the calendar. It's booty and stuff. Chicken. Yeah. It's good. To the yeah, because the 29th, I'm not here. I had fried craw- crawfish ball- boudin balls downstairs and uh, crawfish boudin chicken downstairs. It was good. Y'all actually no, ate before the podcast? No, it was a crawfish etouffee. Crawfish etouffee stuffed chicken. That's right. It's all kind of messy. It's all from Billy's. No, of course. Yeah, it's good stuff. Although I did have to. Hey, don't let me leave here without mice tonight. Yeah, you have mice and stuff in my freezer. It's got to had to like scrape the bottom of the barrel last night. Oh, bless him. I did have to Google how to cook it, though, because there are no cooking instructions on the food. Billy's like, if you're buying it from us, you better know how to cook it. But it's actually like when you Google how to cook it, their website is the first one that pops up. As it should be. So it's all good. That's funny. It was really good, though. I've never had it before. Yes, I have those. I enjoyed it. Crawfish, the crawfish, crawfish, fried crawfish <laughs> etouffee balls, or what they are. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, those are in the air fryer for me after this. Anyways, I mean, not all of them. I'm taking, I'm taking at least two to lunch for school tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyways. Yes, I'm tired and want to sleep after the podcast. So we ate dinner before. Yes. All right. Let's do some sponsor stuff. Katie, you ready? No, I'm what? sorry. I was the. Our f- kid texted us, and I was. Ah. Okay, if you are looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit LSReptileRacks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. Today. Or cages. Or signs. (laughs) Or pencils. And laser engraved engraved pencils. Yep. Or laser engraved erasers. Yep. Or laser engraved anything besides metal. Just call him. He might be able to make it. Can you do glass? <laughs> uh, yes, it will etch glass. That's cool. Um, a lot of people have trouble with it. You have to mask it and stuff because it explodes. Oh, well, that would not like, be good. Like micro glass particles shoot out oh, as you cut. Yikes. Um, so you have to be really careful with it. I probably won't do it. Yeah, pass on that. Never mind. Yeah. Pencils. Pencils, people. Pencils. Yeah. Uh, all right. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in San Antonio, and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. Houston. They came to Houston. That's how I got mine. Uh, they offer shipping on their feeder insects, ice pods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of the reptiles and amphibians that consume them. I strongly recommend them. My uh, pain in the butt feeders have started eating. My, I had that ball python that wasn't eating. It's eaten twice for me now. Also, one of my baby ball pythons, uh, a second one is now eaten, so two of the three. That's awesome. Okay, uh, so Erica McVeigh just posted in the in the chat that everyone needs more pencils, especially with autumn shows. Great for kid give giveaways. There you, you go. You could totally vendors. get vendors could get pencils with their names yeah. and business names on them to give to kids. Yeah, and you don't have to get the Ticonderoga ones. You could get like a cool color pencil or something. Yeah, you could. Ticonderoga also makes the pl- uh, the black. Pencils. Ooh, they also make black they ones. They do make big, black big, ones. Yeah. I want to say the black, the black ones. Black ones are like. cool looking. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a great idea. Erica's a genius. She is. I love her. I was so going to say, uh, I used to think Ryan was a genius. And no, it's, it's, Erica. it's Erica. Erica. A little bit, and I was like, oh, it's Erica. <laughs> I think Ryan has ideas. Erica's job is to figure out how to make them happen. Yeah. Uh, I also say hi to Raptor G. He said, howdy, first time uh, actually catching us live. So, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. He'll... She said, someone tell Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no one can tell Ryan because he won't stop talking for anybody to tell him. Uh, I love Ryan. Anyway, speaking of Ryan, if you need to get a UVB LED light bulb, look no further than VivTech. Go check out VivTech products and use code GUMBO22 to save 15% on all of your LED UVB bulb needs or a temp gun at some point. Is that back yet? No, not yet. But if I keep going higher than it might. Probably not. No. Anyways, uh, other stuff. My kid is texting me. And I don't, Why is she oh, texting you? Because she wants to know which flavor of water I want because out of the fridge because I'm Aww, not down there. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, let's go with surprise me. It's probably going to be the one I don't like. <laughs> Whatever she brings will be the one I don't want. Pineapple coconut tastes like you should add alcohol to it. I'm just going to throw working it on out it. there. Okay, Erica. As soon as it's done, temp gun. I'm getting a or, – or not temp gun. Sorry. I didn't mean temp gun. I meant UV meter. She knew what I meant. She knew what I meant. It's a good thing she did. She does. I don't. Sometimes. Uh, Herps. I saw Sean in here. Let's throw out Herps there. We just had the Herps show in Corpus Christi. I didn't get a beach weekend. No, we did not go. And I completely forgot that there's a Herps show this weekend. Uh, but I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm staying and sleeping. I have to sleep. Mm, you'll be making stickers, buddy. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. I got to sleep before I make stickers I so that I don't get angry and i was gonna sleep in divorce. this weekend but someone had me doing stuff all weekend last thursday i texted james hey you gonna have stickers for me and he goes we're working on them now and then at like 10 30 he texts me there will be no stickers for this weekend <laughs> i said it went that well huh <laughs> katie was tired and yep. needed a nap <laughs> yep uh this weekend is the brian college station show august 19th and august 20th in brian college station texas that one's in brian college station uh then conroe god it still seems i'll be at conroe September 9th and September 10th. We got to deliver stickers to Conrad to some people. We do. Uh, then over to Baton Rouge, Gonzalez. September 16th, September 17th, and out to Waco, Waco, October 21st, 22nd. Then over to Lake Charles, November 4th and 5th. We'll probably be at that one. <clears throat> That's like two hours away. We'll probably be there. Uh, then up to West Monroe, well, you know Louisiana. That's Lily's 21st birthday weekend, and so she'll be with us, and Logan will be with us, and we'll be celebrating her 21st birthday that week. Oh, oh. she had another one. Do you want one? No, I uh, thought that, it was for you. That's oh, true, because that was also her birthday her. weekend when it was in Beaumont, wasn't it? Yes. I remember that one. Yeah, we had her 18th, 19th, 20th, 18th. Her 18th birthday was the Beaumont show. It was Halloween. Yeah. And uh, we we had to leave and have a Halloween party. That's when we were two hours late to the Sunday Yeah, because she was dressed like an angel. Yes. We were two hours late Sunday morning because of a wreck on the freeway that had it completely shut down. That's right. And I called, hey, James, can you watch my table? Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Sean, we did Miss Corpus. I'm sorry. We we were busy. We got free rugs this weekend. We did. There was there a was carpet a- place, a flooring place over in uh, Friendswood. It was like, if you're a teacher, we'll give you a free five by eight rug or anything smaller than that. So we went and since James teaches high school and he I was like, I don't need a rug. I'm like, I want to. Let's go. Place was full of teachers getting free rugs. Oh, it was nice. awesome. My kids love them. Like, but you know what? It's amazing. If at least half those teachers say, well, I don't need a rug. I'm going to go back there and buy one. Oh, it's yeah. It for them. And it's tax write off. So, yeah. That's true. Uh, West Monroe again, November 18th, 19th. Get this real quick. Austin, Texas, uh, December 2nd and December 3rd. We may be at that one. And then Slidell, December 9th, December 10th. And Robert will be at probably all of those. So go oh, see Robert because it's not Oklahoma. 
We just realized that we have lot. There's a Herps wedding in yeah. Waco. Matt and Cat. Cool. I think. Am I right, John? Was I supposed to say that? Maybe not. Maybe we need to edit that out. No, it was public because it's been posted. Don't worry. No one listens to this podcast anyways. <laughs> right. You're good. All 10 people. Uh, well, yes, we do have a pretty good listenership. We do. We do. I apologize for a poor group of people. I don't know how much I'll be here in the fall because our our child is in competition band and God bless us. And and trying to do volleyball, maybe. We'll find out tomorrow if she makes the volleyball team. Having a kid sucks. And uh, (laughs) competition band is no joke. They have a crazy busy schedule. We got the calendar last night. I'm glad that uh, mine doesn't do anything. (laughs) Ours decided she wants to do everything now. So. Which so, is fine. It's better than I'm. I have no life. I'm, you had no my, life before. My it's not the kids' fault. Had four kids, but now I have stickers. All three boys were in baseball, and they were just. Now baseball is different. That's. Wait, I'm not done. They were just far enough apart that they played at three different fields. Oh, that sucks. Oh, that sucks. And then her daughter was in dance, which was all at the same time, and it was like it'd be like, all right, you go to his game and his game, and I'll go to her dance and his game. And we'll see half of each. So we, and then we had to run around and like pick them up. And yeah, we had was, a we had a parent that for my youngest brother it was similar. They would basically stand between two fields and watch one kid play on one field, and then like turn around and watch the other kid play on yeah. the other field. And that's how they had to watch yeah. games. Uh, well, Erica, Sean, I got I got like uh, confused because you know there's other secret things happening that you know about. So I was kind of like uh, right of the loop. secret. Yeah, no, you know the but secret I'll, password. Is. <laughs> The password is secret. You're going to age yourself. I know. No, someone under like 30 has no fucking clue what that is. Uh, it was a game show. Game shows were things they played on TV. And then, anyways. Uh, and no, Erica, I'm not trying five kids. It's fucking ridiculous. And I think y'all are crazy for having five kids. It's something's wrong with you. Uh, what is it? I've been listening to all of y'all's episodes since I saw y'all's table at the June Conroe show. Up to 130. Jesus Christ, wow. that's a lot to listen to. That's awesome. And like 75 co-hosts to listen to. Well, make sure you come say hi to us uh, if you're at the September. Yeah. Conroe. We'll be, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. I'll be, be there. on the register up front. I'll be there. Somewhere. Somewhere. I'll be there. Somebody just told me that hot dog, a bologna is just a hot dog pancake. <laughs> now my brain doesn't like that. Yeah, but a fried hot dog didn't taste like fried bologna. I know. Yeah. Uh, well, I Sean like said, uh, bologna, sending though. healing vibes to Chris Eaton. Yeah, our buddy Chris Eaton is... Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can't help but make fun of him. He's a, it's going to happen. But I do it out of love. He's a pirate. He's got a peg leg. I need somebody. That picture today was pretty brutal, man. I need somebody artsy out there to draw me a cartooned Chris Eaton with a pirate leg. A and, peg leg, you mean? Well, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, I told Sean about it this weekend. He said he would be all in for helping sell those. We'll, sell, we'll, we'll make stickers out of them, and we'll sell them, and all the proceeds can go to Chris. And if he doesn't want the money, he can pick an organization and go to that. But I need a little pirate Chris with a peg leg and a, a leather pirate hat, like his hat, but a pirate hat. But like a tricorn. Yeah. I'm and, sure we'll just give it to U.S. Ark. And like uh, something on his shoulder. Y'all pick. Maybe one of those dumpy frogs that he got. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> a dumpy frog on his shoulder instead of a parrot. It's such a match. <laughs> you know how they're always like dogs look like their owners. Sometimes frogs look like their owners. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's get to our guest this week. Uh, I'll let Robert introduce because Robert found this guest. I'll let you introduce our guest. I'm gonna bring him in. Okay, bring him in. Here we go. Our guest this week is uh, Bruce Ireland. He is uh, a snake relocator in San Diego. And uh, hey, Bruce, how are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and you said you're actually in a hotel tonight in San Francisco? 
I am. I am. Unfortunately, uh, my real job takes me on the road. My passion is back at home with snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been following Bruce for a couple of years. Uh, I think I originally found him on TikTok, maybe Instagram. I don't know. Probably Instagram. And then uh, just kind of went from there because he had the googly eyes on his uh, on his grabbers. On his grabbers. And <laughs> I laughed. You know, those before. are called snake tongs. Snake tongs. Those are snake tongs. Yes. They are yes. not grabbers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I own a couple of pair of them. Um, but yeah, and he, he gets to catch my favorite. Does lights just go out in his hotel room? <laughs> Bruce, are you still there? I think we lost him. Oh, man. It's a hotel Wi-Fi. He'll be back. <laughs> He, uh, he gets to catch my favorite um, rattlesnake species, which is the red diamond rattlesnake. Uh, they're basically look like a Western diamondback, but, but red. they're red. That's cool. Um, San Diego is such a unique place. So that's where I went to college. It's a coastal desert. The weather is not even weather. The weather say it's nice all the time. Say, oh, you used to always sing like the Christmas song. The weather outside is weather. Because, <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> That's uh, one of the problems when you have a, a phone that you're using for your camera. When it rings, everything shuts down. Uh, so my apologies. Yeah. Uh, we're used to technical difficulties. We're good. Yeah. We can roll with it. I was telling them about, you know, how San Diego is such a unique place because, you know, it's a coastal desert that's basically landlocked. It's basically pushed against the ocean by the mountains. And it, yeah. has, it's, it has a completely separate climate from the rest of the state. Uh, it doesn't have weather. It has a climate. So we used to always say when I lived there, uh, believe it or not, it actually rained like torrential downpours the last two days I lived there. <laughs> like, hmm. It rained more in the two days, the last two days I lived there than they did the two years. And, and uh, you'll probably remember when it does rain, nobody knows how to drive. Nope, no one knows what to do. Everything <laughs> shuts down. It's yep. pretty, uh, it's pretty comical. It is. Everybody like gets on the freeway and puts their car in park. That's that's like exactly. snow, that's like ice or snow here. I lived in La Mesa and I worked at the San Diego Aerospace Museum in Balboa Park. So beautiful. Trying to drive to Balboa Park in the rain was like an hour and a half ordeal, which was normally like fifteen minutes. And uh, the whole downstairs, the whole basement, which is where the restoration department was, where I worked, was flooded. That's good for restoration. I mean, that stuff's already messed up anyway. Right. So like, yeah, you might as well get them nice and wet. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had everything set up down there, so it was up high. Because anytime it rained, which is not often, it floods down there. Or, or maybe yep. just build a different building. Well, it was a historical building. It was old Ford building. You know what? New Orleans is historical too, but true. building below sea level is a bad idea. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, very, very true. But interesting place. So um, how long have you been uh, you've been doing this, Bruce? Well, so just before I say that, you know I'm from Texas, right? That's right. You told us you're from the Houston area, right? I'm from Kingwood. Yeah, yeah. I uh I moved to San Diego 30 years ago, um, but got my, my teeth wet, if you will, with snakes uh, living in Kingwood. We moved there back in the mid-70s. I'm going to age myself. <laughs> and uh, I was a very shy kid, and I was pretty small, so sports didn't really suit me. Uh, and I discovered that at the time, Kingwood was a brand-new development, mm -hmm. and there were snakes everywhere. And I immediately gravitated towards them. They seemed to... Uh, accept me more than the humans and uh at at what was i eight years old uh that's how i got into snakes um and then fast forward to today i'm still just as excited when i see a snake i still get passionate about the opportunity to help snakes and uh yeah i've been doing this now for about probably eight years eight years probably but Really didn't really take it to social media until my kids got old enough to know that 
that was probably a good platform. And they're the ones that kind of forced me to have a TikTok page and an Instagram page. Before that, it was purely Facebook for my family stuff. Gotcha. Well, that's uh, it's always good to have someone on social media that's like maybe doing it right, considering yes. there's a lot that are doing it wrong. Yes. Uh, so the the problem, I don't know. Do you have have a hard time finding uh, getting followers? Or, or like you have a video where you're like, this is a great one, and then like only like ten people watch it, and you can't figure out why no one watches that one. Yeah, the algorithms always throw me off. You know, like you just said, I'll have a video that I think this is amazing. This is going to go viral. It flops. Then I'll post one that I think is just a filler and it'll have 20 million views. I can't really figure it out, uh, but that's okay. I've gotten to a point where basically I video any call I go on for a snake once I realize it's not going to just be a run of the mill, you know, pick it up and put it in the bucket. I start filming and I do very little editing and I put them on social media. And, and fortunately, a lot of people either love snakes or hate snakes, but either way, they, they choose to follow my accounts, which I'm grateful for because that's the opportunity for me to get the word out about how good they are. I can tell you, I have no idea how the algorithms or any of that works because as I mentioned, I think last week, so my daughter, my 12 year old daughter started a YouTube. I pulled it up. She started a YouTube and it's, it's ridiculous. It's just her doing stupid stuff in front of a camera. And then her like, and her friends love it. So that age group, it's their thing. It makes no fucking sense to me. We don't get it. Cause but we're one, old. But now. one of her videos has 57,000 views. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> no, she's got twice well, as many subscribers as my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what I think it is, is if, if it strikes a nerve and people start sharing it and then they share it, and there's that old commercial, you tell a friend and then you tell a friend. Yeah, yep. I think that's how it works because some of my videos, and I don't know why, all of a sudden I'm getting comments in languages I don't understand. <laughs> so I have to hit translate. Turns out they're in the Middle East or Asia or somewhere in Europe that I don't even understand what they're saying. But that's when I know that they've started to get passed around because they're in other parts of the world. So how does the process go for you getting calls? Cause they, so we're in a group here because a lot like how you explained Kingsville when you were here, uh, where we live now in south of Houston is all brand new developments. And people are constantly having water snakes because go figure you build a pond in the middle of the neighborhood. You're going to have water snakes. Uh, and so we're constantly having to go remove water snakes from people's houses and stuff. Um, I mean, that's all through social media and all. But how, how are you getting people contacting you to come get them? So when I first started um, – my kids were really young and it's kind of a sad story why I started doing this, but it's worth sharing. Um, I travel for my real job quite a bit. I was on a business trip and a snake turned up in my own yard. My wife called me and she sent me a picture. She said, I don't know what to do. It was a rattlesnake. And I said, just call the fire department. So she did. And about an hour later, she called me back and I said, how'd it go? And she goes, well, they showed up. All they had with them was a shovel, oh. and they killed it right in front of the kids. I said, what? Mm. That's she said, horrible. Yep. They just cut the head off and left. And I was furious. So when I got home, I called the fire department. I said, is this how you handle snake calls? He goes, if they come through 911 as a snake, we roll a four-person fire team in our fire truck, fully dressed in our fire gear, and we were required to kill them. And I said, what if it was a non-venomous snake? And they said, it's up to the highest ranking person on that truck to determine if they want to kill it 
or not, regardless of species, including the red diamond we talked about earlier, which are protected in the state of California. Wow. And that just made me so mad. So are there legal ramifications if you kill something that's protected? Obviously not to the fire departments. They can do whatever they want. Uh, Now, if I was to kill one, big problems. Yeah. 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 So that's how this all started. It wasn't that I just decided I wanted to start saving snakes. It kind of came through that call with my own family and realizing that there really wasn't an option. So what I did was I put little flyers, this is several years ago, on our mailbox systems. We have communal mailboxes. So I would just tape a flyer and it had a picture of a snake and it just said, if you ever have a snake, don't call the fire department, call me. And then next door came into play. And I don't know if next door is big where you are, but it's pretty big here as a community. And I posted you know, the first year on there, uh, that if you have a snake, um, I would be happy to come do it. I will remove it. I will relocate it and I will do it all for free. And that is basically how I still operate now. Um, my team has grown significantly. I now have 18 people on my team. Oh, wow. We cover a lot bigger area than, than what I could cover by myself. But the, uh, the business plan has really not changed. We show up, we educate, we take the snake, we treat it humanely, we hike it back into nature and release it. So is there a permit system? Do you charge? How does that all work, if you don't mind? Yeah. So what we have to have in the state of California is, as silly as this sounds, a fishing license. Yeah, that's how it was in Louisiana. fishing license allows me to have up to two snakes in my possession at any given time. So we all have fishing licenses. Um, we don't charge a fee. Because the reason is, when I started this, I thought, well, if they can call the fire department for free, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to charge them 250 who are you going to call? Mm-hmm. And I decided, if I do it for free, there's no reason why you wouldn't choose my service over the fire department. And the first year, I think we had, I think, 50 people called us, not a lot. And now we're 500 plus every year. So, and I still use Nextdoor, um, but word of mouth has gotten out a lot. Social media has certainly helped our cause. Uh, our local news, um, Newsweek magazine, we've ha- we've gotten a lot of positive press from it, uh, which is great. It just it just makes things really busy. And a lot of times, calls are coming in from, like I said, we live in San Diego. I have to start every phone call. Where are you calling from? I get them from Texas. I get them from Ohio. I get them from Washington State because they just Google snake wranglers. And our number seems to pop up high on the search. So I get calls from places that I obviously can't reach. So have you also gone out and like helped train some of these fire departments and some of these maybe police departments to help give them some help? Yeah. So that's a great question. So right now I'm in the middle of cutting through the red tape in California to try to change the law. Several fire stations are on board and what the protocol will be changed to is they will still respond to the calls, but instead of killing them, they will all be trained by me or one of my teammates how to handle snakes get them in a bucket, safely transfer them back to the fire station. And then we will show up and get them from the fire department, transfer them from their bucket to our bucket and relocate them. 
they can't let us show up in place of them for liability reasons. Yeah. Um, so part of this is, is going to be, I will train, I think there's 12 fire stations on board right now. And I don't know how many firefighters each station has, but we're going to do trainings for each one of those. And the training will be live snakes, uh, live venomous snakes, safety protocol, what gear to have. And they've committed to buy in each station a set of tongs, hooks, and buckets. So it's going to be great. Uh, it's, it's kind of midway through the process, so I don't want to say too much yet. But by this time next year, my hope is if we ever talk again, the protocol will be totally different and we will be helping the fire department no longer kill them but instead relocate. That that's is awesome. so cool. Well, and that's great because in that you're also going to have to change those fire. I mean, cause there's the fire department, they're, they're people, you know, those are humans and they've grown up with whatever fears or misconceptions they have. So you're having to change that and go, look, all right, guys, now you got to save them. And now you got to make them, I guess, want to save them as well and then do right. it properly. Right. And, and changing the mindset of somebody that has, a predisposed fear of snakes is not easy. And that goes far deeper than just the fire department. I mean, social media is a great example of as much as I post and show on my videos for every hundred comments that I get that are positive, there'll be two or three that are just mean and hateful and sometimes just rude. And it's always those people that fear them. And for those people, I can't, I can't change those people. Um, So my hope is when I, work with the fire departments, you know, these are going to be tough people. They're they're seeing things far worse than snakes. They're seeing car accidents and suicides and fires. My hope is they'll be open-minded enough to see that if properly trained, a snake is no more dangerous than riding a bicycle. Well, maybe those snake removal calls are in in some way a nice break from everything else they've got to do. Maybe they'll learn. Maybe there's some nature guys, and they'll really start to enjoy the nature part of going there and removing these yeah. things. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, I've I've sat down to get to this point. I've had to sit down with quite a few uh, firemen, and you know, I don't want to say firemen, fire people, um, and they don't like killing them. A lot of them have said we don't like the protocol. We don't like that we have to kill them, um, but that's what they have to do, especially if they're venomous. Again, if it's a non-venomous snake, it's up to the person highest ranking on that squad or team. Um, And if they deem we don't have the time or we got to get to another call, just kill it. That's what they do. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about where this is going to go. I, I have a lot of family that are paramedics or firefighters or even in the police department. And a lot of the times, you know, yes, it's an animal. It's not a human, but they're, they want to save people and things. They, you know, they're not, their first reaction is not to kill something. So even if they are afraid of that animal, I could see where, you know, they might not want to kill it as soon as they come up on it. And you think about the type of person that decides they want to put their own life on the line and be a first responder, whether it's fire, EMT, police. It's a unique person. Absolutely. I, oh, yeah. My, res- yeah. my respect goes out to all of them. I mean, without them, where would we be? I mean, um, it's it's an amazing group of people. And I agree with you. They're, they're mainly thinking save, 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 help, 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 not kill, kill, kill. So. 
I think it's going to go well. Uh, like I said, you know, changing things in the state of California is not easy. Um, I'm dedicated and my head's to the grindstone. So we'll see how it goes. And our friend Eric McVeigh was saying in California, you can kill a red diamond as long as you are not possessing it. And it isn't on protected land. So that's the loophole apparently. And she said you were epic for what you do. And then, uh, oh, thank you. That's, that's Facebook users. Gonzo. Oh, is it? And then Erica also asked, do you remove the comments, the bad comments or keep them up and try to educate other people that are scrolling through? Wow. That's a, that's an amazing question because if if you ask the old Bruce that, <laughs> I would get mad. Yeah, no. You know what's so funny? Okay, I got to tell you a funny story. When I started TikTok, my account, and I'm not bragging, it blew up. I got to 1.4 million followers. But one morning I woke up, had my coffee like I always do. I opened up TikTok. It said, your account has been permanently banned for dangerous acts. Well, what I learned was because I used to blast people that wrote things like just cut its head off, somebody reported me and it happened enough that TikTok banned me. Wow. So the nicer Bruce now, (laughs) the nice guy now tries to educate. But if it's just an outward rude comment, I just block them. So they can no longer see my content and they can't write comments and they don't even know it. I just do it. They go away. Life's good. So I've learned valuable lessons about social media um, and how to handle negative comments. Um, old Bruce was not very good at it. New Bruce is much better at it. <laughs> I'm going uh, cur- to start referring myself to that. Current Robert's not very good at it. Either. <laughs> no, That's how I'm going to refer to myself. I, I give them a chance to not be stupid. <laughs> but then when they come well, back with stupid, so, so uh, that was me in fourth grade today. I just looked uh, at them like they had four heads. Yeah. But here's my thought: the people that typically write negative comments, a lot of times I'll look at their page just to see where it's coming from. Me too. And almost inevitably, they have no videos, no content, no followers, no nothing. But they have that keyboard, mm-hmm. and that keyboard in the privacy of their own parents' basement or wherever they are, they can write whatever the heck they want because it gets them, especially when they do it on a viral video, that's where it happens the most because yes. that's their their stage. And I've just learned to ignore it. I don't care. So going back to the fire department, one of our listeners, Darren Watson, said, why is the fire department not allowed to relocate? Is it a time thing? Or maybe that they don't know where to really relocate? I would also think it's it's not one of those things that falls kind of under their job. They're, you know, that's, that's not well, their thing. It's, it's pro- that's a really good question. And I asked the same thing. Why, why is it that you have to kill them? And it's all of those things. A, and I've asked them this, how long is a typical snake call from the time you get the call, suit up, roll the $3 million fire truck, get to the house, get the snake. How long is that, that you're not available for a true emergency. And they said typically 45 minutes to an hour. So think about that, that truck and those four people are no longer available to go to a car accident or a house fire. Um, So my thought is time is critical because I spend way more time hiking them back into nature than I do on any call. Let's just say the house is 10 minutes away. I get the snake in five, that's 15. 
Then I got to hike it two miles back into a nature preserve, which takes me an hour. I'm a slow hiker. <laughs> so my guess is they don't have the time, nor do they have the interest. I mean, when are they going to do that? If they're on a 12-hour shift, are they going to really put a snake in the bucket, bring it back to the fire station, wait till their 12-hour shift is over and do it on their own time? Yeah. I don't know. It's a rhetorical question. I really, I, I don't I mean, know. I mean, that's a lot right. to take into consideration and to think about. Well, that, I had a really not nice comment go through my head. What? Because I love Gonzo, I'm not going to say it. What? I was like, because it's not a cat in a tree. But <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I love was, you, Gonzo. If it was a cat in a tree, they would get it. <laughs> but, well, that's where I think being able, if they can work with the private sector, like a group like you, go catch it, and then you could go pick it up from them. And do that process. That takes a lot of those issues out of there. Uh, it, it's, it's still time consuming. I mean, they still got to go get the animal. It's almost kind of a bummer too that they have to suit up. They have to take that. Yeah, truck. they can't just grab like, a pickup can't truck and just go. Like <laughs> grab the you know the utility truck that they have at stations and then go in that. Like that's the other thing because if they get called to another call while they're out, they have to be suited up. They have to be in that truck. And exactly. I mean, yes, they run drills to be able to do that very quickly, but that in and of itself takes time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. the way I understand it, that if the call comes in through 911 dispatch and it's an emergency, which you'd be surprised how many people call me. And just because there's a snake somewhere in their yard, they are freaking out. So if that call comes through 911 and they get dispatched that it's an emergency, I mean, they got a rule, fully, full lights, full siren. I mean, they tell me they show up in neighborhoods for snake calls. I think it's code, one of the firemen on there might be able to say code four, code three, but light siren. So think about that. Your whole neighborhood, you know, is now watching what the heck's going on. Mm-hmm. That's true. But here's the crazy thing. This is one thing I learned that still bothers me is. Code three. Yeah, it's code three. Code three. There you go. So when I go to a snake call, if it's in a community, it's almost guaranteed there's going to be attention. Kids, parents, people want to see the snake. People come out of their house. And I'm just a guy in a black minivan. Now, imagine rolling That's up. That's not creepy at all, Bruce. No. At least I don't have ice cream music playing. Free candy on the side of the van, right? Come look at my snake. Oh, my gosh. But, but now imagine... You roll up as a fire team with a fire truck. Everybody's going to come out. And here's the crazy thing is kids are fascinated by snakes more so than adults. Mm -hmm. Every call I go on, kids are always like, can we see it? Can we see it? Now think about a fire truck. They cut the head off and then they dispose of that body and that head somewhere behind that house. That truck leaves and you're a 10 year old. What's the first thing you're going to go do? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's dangerous. I mean, y'all want to see a dead body. Especially, (laughs) I want to see a dead snake head, right? I want to get that rattle. And they're going to pick it up and get bit by a dead snake. And then then there's a whole different call for the fire truck. Yep. 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 And, and they're supposed to bury the head. That's their protocol um, is to bury it no deeper or no less deep than I think it's 12 inches. And I asked him, are you, are you doing this? And he said, probably not. Well, and anything about the amount of calls I've been out on when you get there, the snake's not still there. The snake was there 
40 minutes ago and it went through a hole and now you've got this fire truck it'll load everything up drive this thing out there just to go yeah there's no snake here and then go back so so what does that cost the taxpayer what does that cost them in time you know again it's it's frustrating to think that that's the first people call the first number people call is 911 um and again where we are in san diego we have changed the thinking we get calls now that used to call the fire department and they're grateful that there is another resource that they can contact that is professional, safe, on time, you know, because there's other places you can call. There's animal control, there's um, pest control companies. You know, I've even, I've even called some of them in San Diego pretending to be a homeowner. Hey, I have a snake. How long can you be here? Uh, we're about an hour and a half. Jeez. You know, wow. my, my average response time is 10 minutes. Oh, wow. 10 minutes from the time you call me to the time I'm at your house. I mean, that's that's better than I, I don't know who shows up that fast, but I've got <laughs> eight people pizza. spread out throughout the county. Yeah. We rock and roll, baby. We rock and roll. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's funny because, Robert, you speak up. So I'm at, people call 911 for everything. And we've had several things in our life where we're like, something happens and like, well, we need to call the cops, but. We don't need to call 911. That seems ridiculous. Let me send Robert a message and ask him who to call. <laughs> that has happened too. I mean, it's a very strong possibility that it's your fault that we're in Texas. So yeah, you're the person I call when yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> but I just I just imagine the amount of crazy calls that 911 gets that aren't emergency. And look, a oh, gopher, yeah. a gopher snake in someone's backyard. To them, I get it. It's an emergency, but it's not an emergency. I mean, I used to have to go get Giant cotton mouse out of garages all the time, and nine like now, nine times out of ten, that's a decayed brown snake, <laughs> and uh, you know it's nine inches long and can't even bite you. But it would have killed them, Robert. <laughs> yes, killed them. It was going to kill mean, their kids. That was super common. But then you get there sometimes, and it's a three and a half foot cotton mouth, the big round as your arm. Yeah, that they've already yeah. pissed off by trying to get it out of the garage by poking it with something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, crazy. Yeah. So well, and I tell I tell my team all the time, there are no two calls that are ever alike. You roll on them, you you have no idea what to expect. It's going to be an easy grab. It could be, you know, we get them, you know, we get big rattlesnakes up in engine blocks of cars. Those are nerve wracking. We get snakes that are caught in garden netting oh, or yeah. fencing. So you got a pissed off rattlesnake that you're trying to cut free that's trying to bite you and it's no joke i mean it's it's it talk about adrenaline well it's like our, our buddy megan that we had on last week because she heads up this group that we kind of help with to get snakes she had to remove a small young cottonmouth from a glue trap and so that whole process is horrible but so i mean glue traps are everywhere i mean and usually it's a death sentence to whatever gets stuck on those things mm -hmm. i mean we try really hard to tell people don't don't use glue traps you know use something else you know if you're trying to catch rodents just use a an old snap trap you know snap it do it but don't put a trap out that's just going to catch anything that gets near it oh yeah any little like little lizards on a glue trap it's done there's no getting done. like we have those little mediterranean geckos around here and their skin is so thin once they're on a glue trap i mean you, you can't get those things off it's done yeah they're horrible but yeah calls are always interesting because I always go to calls with the assumption it's not a venomous snake, even though they say it is, because it's usually not. So I'm kind of, it's kind of the weird thing. You get there and it is a cotton mouth, like, oh, it is a cotton mouth. And you're all happy. You're like, <laughs> we're the one weird group of people who are like, it is the thing that could kill you. I can't wait to get that. 
Well, we're it's it's funny because being from Texas, you guys have all four of the venomous. You have rattle, coral, water moxin, and copperheads. So I can see where people could get confused. Here in California, we only have rattlesnakes. And they always say it's a rattlesnake. And I go, well, what does this tail look like? Well, it comes to a nice sharp point. <laughs> oh, probably not a rattlesnake. Yeah. It's a rattlesnake. call cautiously. <laughs> well, so we had one of our listeners commented they worked at some sort of a wildlife park or something in, in California. And they said they would have people kill snakes thinking they were coral snakes, killing king snakes because it's a coral snake. And I'm like, there's no coral snakes. <laughs> no coral snakes. Uh, it's 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 insane what people will do. But so we were talking earlier before uh, you got on, and I want to talk about. It. You said you got a call for a bull snake, which obviously is not native to California. Uh, so go ahead and tell the listeners that story because that one's very interesting. And then I have one I want to add to it. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, so the call came in uh, for a gopher snake. He didn't know. I didn't know. If you don't know the difference, gopher and king snake and pine snake are all in the same family of snakes. They look very similar. Um, Go for the it. call he, started he just he like they bull. all... You, you, said king snake. you said king snake, but I know you meant bull snake. I meant bull. I'm so sorry. Bull, gopher, and, and, and pine. Uh, pine. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, and he, he said, like they always do, it's huge. And I said, okay, how big? And he goes, eight to 10 feet. And I was very nice, but I said, we just don't get snakes that big in California. Are you sure? And he goes, well, I'm a builder. And in my backyard, I have a pile of plywood and it is hiding behind a five foot long piece of plywood and it's doubled. And I said to him very nicely, it's probably two snakes mating. Can you check? He goes, hold on a minute. Comes back a minute later. He said, nope, it's just one big snake. So needless to say, my adrenaline got pumping. I get, I still, after 50 plus years of working with snakes, get super excited about anything that's unique. I, I just sent them the and, video. Uh, so I drove down crap, there. I'll make it short. Crazy. I just sent What's them that? the video, so they're watching it right now. Yeah. yeah. So I drive down there, and I ask, like I always do, can I video? Can I video? And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I videoed from the moment I got there to the time I saw the snake to the time I had the snake in the bucket. And it is massive. You can hear it in my voice. I am like a little kid on Christmas morning where I got my first BB gun. I am so excited. This thing's huge. And this thing is massive. At the time, I believed it to be a San Diego gopher snake. And I knew that if it was eight feet long, which it sure looked like it, I had a new world record snake. So there was a lot of excitement. And the homeowner was equally as excited. He was so excited that, that he was part of it. So anyway, it turned out. Uh, I took it to a college in San Diego area that, or excuse me, in, in LA that has a herpetology group and brought it up there for positive ID. They were the ones that told me it was actually a bull snake. Bull snakes are not indigenous to San Diego, um, which then leads to the question, how did it get there? Was it released? Did it hitch a ride under someone's car from Texas? But the bottom line is I can't release a non-indigenous snake with any good conscience back into the wild. So I still have, her name is Lady Drago. It's funny is I let the homeowner name it and he was a big Rocky fan. And Drago was the, the Russian fighter with the flat top and mm -hmm. he named it Drago. Then I learned that it, he was a she. So now she's Lady Drago. <laughs> so I still have Lady Drago in my possession. So I have That's a story awesome. kind of like that. I used to work at a zoo in Louisiana. 
and uh, we had someone bring, it was in a, in a pillowcase, someone brought in a big snake. And uh, this was my director was still alive. And I, I remember bringing it into his office and we opened this big pillowcase in his office. And I looked down and, and we had Louisiana pine snakes at the zoo. So I'm used to Louisiana pine snakes. I look in there, I'm like, oh shit, someone brought us a Louisiana pine snake, which for anybody that doesn't know, they are endangered. They're very hard to find. You almost never find them in the wild. And I was like, fucking awesome. So I reach in and I pull it out and, and it's all of six feet or more. And once I get it out, I realize, wait a minute, this doesn't look exactly like a pine snake. And then it goes to hissing and then it goes to striking. And I'm like next to my boss and he's sitting in his computer. He doesn't look up. He goes, if you let that thing bite me, you're fired. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so I've got this pissed off now bull snake. I'm like, fuck. And I got to get this thing back in the bag. Uh, and we ended up keeping it for a while until another zoo eventually was like, we'll take it. Cause like, can totally could- see him just like super chill. Well, what's funny is that like, a few years later, I'm talking to another buddy of mine in that town who keeps who kept snakes. He's like, oh, yeah, I used to have a really pissed off bull snake that uh, I, he either said got loose or he gave it to somebody else and they get and they got loose from them. And I'm like, this fucking snake, it's got to be this snake, this big ass full grown bull snake that's been living in the wild and someone found it in their yard. I'm like, I was amazed they got it into a pillowcase. Not, I mean, but yeah, well, I, I came out about three days after I got Drago and let me back up and tell this part of it. I keep, I have a, a lot of enclosures in my garage and my garage is set up where half is for my wife and kids, dance studio, ballet stuff, half is surfboards, spear guns, dude stuff, and my snakes. Well, Drago's cage is on my side. I came out the third day. My wife does not like snakes and she's gone. <laughs> she had pushed the top up somehow and I was freaking out luckily if my wife's listening to this i'm going to deny it by the way um luckily my wife was not home she was on a trip and i searched my garage and it's not easy to hide an eight foot snake but i found her so now her whole enclosure is fortified so she can't do that again but there was a moment of i'm going to get a divorce from this (laughs) you didn't use the old uh, 1990s uh put encyclopedias on top of the cage well, so it's funny is this is a pretty commonly sold uh, terrarium that has two sliding screen tops and then a glass one in the middle. It was brand new, but somehow she found the corner and pushed and it's only sealed in there with like a screen door at your house. There's not much holding it. She used enough pressure. The hole was only about 50 cent piece big and the whole eight foot of her got out of that thing. Jeez. That's crazy. So what all do you have? Do you, do you own snakes or are the snakes you have things you have caught? Like, are you, uh, I catch really cool stuff and keep them for a little while or do you have? No. Well, so, so I have snake pets. Uh, I don't keep any indigenous snakes. So what happens is a lot of people in my community know us. And if they ever have a snake that they no longer want, I seem to be the first person they reach out to. And because of that, I now have, uh, a long, a big Florida king snake that's six feet long. Oh wow! And I have oh, a wow. ball python that is five feet long. Both I inherited through people that didn't want them anymore. Um, but other than that, we we don't keep anything. The longest I'll ever have a snake in my care is one that's been injured, and I'll monitor it for three or four days, trying to see that if it's going to survive or not. But other than that, all snakes go back in the wild, and typically within you know eight hours. I I try to release everything the day i get them unfortunately a lot of my calls will come in around dinner time i'll go get a snake i just don't have the energy to hike them back out that night so they go back the next day yeah 
So are those the only two snakes you own as pets or are there, are you a reptile person that have other stuff or? I'm not, so, so I have a bearded dragon as well. Uh, again, I have a wife that was a performer in New York city on Broadway and the wildest animal she ever encountered was the pigeons. So, <laughs> hey, those having, pigeons in New York are any, no joke. She she knew the rats and the pigeons. That's it. So <laughs> having any animals in the house uh, other than our dogs is a huge a huge uh, win for us. So having a bearded dragon, a ball python, and a Florida king and Drago, which. <laughs> My wife still doesn't know we're keeping it. It's been two months. I keep telling her, don't worry. It's taken care of. I got it. What she doesn't know is in another guy's garage, I'm building her a seven-foot-wide enclosure right now. She's going to die when she sees that thing in the garage. So my daughter and I went to New York this summer, and she I did not realize until like two days left in our trip that she had a bucket list of things that she wanted to see while we were there. And seeing a live wild rat was on the list. So I found this out like two days left in the trip. She's like, I've been looking everywhere for a rat and they're not anywhere to be found. And I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? So we're at the Central Park Zoo and we're in their like bird enclosure area. And there was a rat eating out of the food bowl. And the look of joy on her face was one of the, like, it's one of my favorite pictures from the whole trip. Cause she's like pointing at the rat with this big smile on her face. It's so Funny. Huge win. She That's was so great. funny on that trip. Yeah, rats and pigeons are everywhere uh, in New York. And I do like the city. I have to say it's a great it's a great vibe. But her life and my life, I don't even know how she likes me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that. That's hilarious. Um, so I, I posted a question earlier because I knew we were having you come on. This one kind of fit. It was uh, I asked people, have they ever been asked to remove a snake from someone else's property? And how the interaction with the person was. So I'm going to go through those. And then I want to talk to you about maybe some of their more interesting interactions with some people. Since you removed so many, I'm sure there have been some interesting stories, people related more than the animals. So uh, our friend Megan, who we had on last week, has talked about before uh, that she's had pretty good success. And granted, in this situation, if people are calling you to come get an animal, uh you're not getting the ones who really hate the stuff. They've already killed them, unfortunately. Those people aren't calling you. So usually m- many of these situations are pretty good. But uh, she all the time she's going to remove houses, and she really enjoys being able to educate them because in her neighborhood, again, everybody has cotton mouths, even though they're, they're just plain belly water snakes. But everyone's right. got cotton mouths on the back porch. Um, one, our friend Danielle said her favorite was uh, the re- relocation of a speckled king. So not just because she loves kings, but because it was such a strange experience. She said the guy freaked out when when she touched the king snake, who she said was perfect, didn't try to bite or anything. Then it, she got her into the bucket, and the guy made her made Danielle go to every inch of his backyard to tell him where his weak points were. And she says everywhere, because he backs up to a creek, and he has a, a wrought iron fence. So Oof, yeah. <laughs> so they, they're they're all coming in. They're, they're coming in. And she said the guy kept asking. Screen door on a submarine. So the guy kept asking if I wanted exactly. him to cut down all his trees and shrubs, and she kept telling him, "I don't care, but if it will make you feel better, sure." <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Sarah said, "Yep, I'm a relocator in my area. The interactions have always been pleasant, and I always uh, thank them for calling the relocation service instead of killing." Uh, Scott Borden said he's a li- he's licensed to do so in New York. Uh, so far, the interactions have all been pretty positive. Part of being licensed there is also learning to talk to the property owners 
about the positives and the reality of the snakes in their area and help them lessen the attraction of their property to the snakes, like maybe not having a fence that allows them to just creep right on in. Uh, Mark Anderson says it's always great. They love it. And when he loves getting to educate them, uh, our listener Jack is from the Netherlands. He said it doesn't really happen that much. They don't, they don't really have snakes. So there's, yeah. he doesn't get to go remove snakes from anybody. Um, Gotta move to the United States, Jack. Yeah, so come here. We got plenty of them. No joke. Um, I say most of most of ours are pretty good. They're very afterwards. They're very appreciative, and usually Robert and I have to go. No, you don't have to tip us. Please yeah. don't give us money. <laughs> Sometimes I put it in your car when you're out catching the snake. Yes, that has happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I said, usually you're not getting the person, the kind of person that's the only good snake to dead snake because they didn't call you. Well, my neighborhood True. is like 1,700 houses, and um, there's a gated com- gated community that's part of our neighborhood, but they're not because they're gated. Um, and there are about 400 houses and that's where all the snake calls 90% of the snake calls are in the gated community. Uh, the snakes are bougie, I guess. And like the nice houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't blame them. So it's constantly going over there. It was funny. I, uh, about a year ago, my son and I went on one, uh, lady had a giant copperhead in her garage. Turned out it was a very young rat snake. And, uh, I finally found it under a refrigerator in her garage. I got down and looked and could see it. So I told my son, Hey, reach in there and get that snake. I thought that lady was going to pass out. I mean, she literally like hand on her chest, took like two steps back. Uh, Brian, our HOA president at the time, like was standing there because he was her neighbor and like caught her and he pulled that snake out. And of course it bites him. It's a little rat snake. They're going to bite. And and she thought he was going to die and going to lose his arm. And he's laughing. You know, my kid doesn't care. He gets a bit all the time. Um, He doesn't care. So it's always funny to see people's reactions because. If I would have tried to use, uh, you know, a hook or even a, a, I couldn't have got a pair of tongs under there to try and get that snake out. It would have went up into the bottom of that fridge and the way it was laying, I knew if he could get his small arm underneath there real quick and just grab it, he could get it out of there without it turning into a big ordeal. I pulled up yeah. to one in your neighborhood. It was something. So they have the front door and then they have the glass door between. So you have two doors there on the front and inside of there. On the door handle was a rat snake. I don't know. It got in between the doors and it was yep. up curved up on the rat on the yeah. door. So you like, couldn't open the door to go in the house because yeah. then it was kind of come in the house. Well, they and didn't, they didn't right. want to open the glass door. The problem, they, no, they didn't have a key to unlock the glass door. Uh, and they could only <laughs> unlock it from the inside. Yeah. But they couldn't open it from the inside because the snake was in there. <laughs> so I had to go in their house, open it, catch it from the inside so they could finally use their front door. Yep. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> but I imagine you've got some very interesting uh, stories from the people more than the snakes. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the super positive and that, and you're absolutely right. The people that call my team, they've already made a decision that they aren't snake killers. They may not be snake fans or snake likers, uh, but they've decided that they prefer to spare their life of the snake. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not nervous, scared. Uh, you know, I, I get a big kick out of when I get to homes, I, I usually text my ETA. And then when I'm about a minute out, I send another text stating, be there in 30 seconds. Usually the homeowners come out to greet me. But what's always funny is I pull up, no text back, no human. I get out and I hear from the second story window, I'm not coming out, but the snake, you can go in the backyard. (laughs) And basically they just let me go through a gate. And then they go now to a back window on the second floor and they're giving me instruction from a elevated platform. They are not even coming out of the house. And I always get a huge kick out of that. And I always try to say, you know, they don't chase you, you know, they don't jump. And they're like, I don't care. I'm not coming out of the house until that snake's gone. 
but the really interesting calls and in San Diego, we've got $10 million homes and we've got trailer parks and I treat everybody with the same amount of respect. I don't care what kind of house you live in. I'm just there to help you and the snake. But I've, I've, I've been greeted at the door by some people <laughs> dressed very scantily. I'll just leave it at that. And it's always interesting when the door opens. And I mean, you knew I was coming for 20 minutes. You could have put on something a little more. But uh, yeah, and then they proceed to take me out in the backyard in what they're wearing and show me where the snake is. I always get a kick out of those. I always go home to my wife and go, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but here's what happened. <laughs> they were just hoping the weird snake guy that came over was kind of kinky that day. <laughs> a weird snake guy. I've jokingly right. said to my friends, uh, this is kind of how I envision some of the porn movies to start in the snake <laughs> yeah. world. I'm, you know? I'm here to see you. I don't snake. know, but the, the scariest stories for me are always um, when they're, like I mentioned earlier, when they get in car engines oh, yeah. and oh. the only access point is you know opening the the hood and looking into the engine and you don't know where that snake is yet they can come out anywhere and what we typically do in situations like that is take a, a hose and we just start running water in the engine well the problem with that is that doesn't mean they're going to come up they're going to go down and your legs and your feet are right there and that's always uh that's always a little bit challenging for me because i want to save the snake i want to keep that person from starting that car and possibly killing the snake. But I also know that I'm putting my own safety at risk. So snakes in cars are always a little bit unnerving to me. Um, I like them because I get a kick out of when I get successful and get the snake, but I always get a little nervous on those ones. The one that made me the most nervous was not being prepared. Like when we had, we went and there were six copperheads. Six copperheads. Yeah. Uh, And I was not ready for six copperheads and I did not bring a bucket for six copperheads. And I caught four of them and I was like, all right, we're done. That's enough. I can't do anymore. You made it work. Yeah. 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 I've learned, you know, it's funny is I started with a bucket. That's it. I had in my car, a tong, a hook, a bucket and boots. And now in my car at any given time, I have five buckets. One of them is a 10 gallon. The rest are five gallons. And for typical snake in San Diego, three feet or under five gallons. Fine. Every year I get a couple like Drago where that bucket was not going to cut it and I have to deploy my 10 gallon. And I've had a couple calls for uh, escaped or released pythons and boas where I have a whole rolling trash can, just like you'd put out the front of your house on Thursday mornings for your trash that I've made into a, you know, that rare call where I get that massive 10 foot plus, but I've not been successful. I've been called on those. I just haven't ever found the snakes. Be be like that. Uh, that Florida guy video from a few years back where the guy caught the alligator with a gra- uh, garbage can like that. Yeah. The garbage can <laughs> put it right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's fun. You know, what we do is, is unique. Uh, we are not the normal people. Uh, you guys, us, we're most people don't like snakes. Most people aren't comfortable with snakes. Most people have been taught to fear snakes. And uh, part of the fun of what we do is we get to educate people on the truth about snakes. Yes. Um, And if I get the opportunity, and not every call do I get it because they won't come out of their house, but if they do come down and if they're curious and interested, I'll sit and talk till I'm blue in the face about what they are and what they eat and why they're important and what they do for our environment. And, you know, you get a lot of people that you can see that light bulb 
going off. They're like, wow, I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. And you feel like, or at least I feel like, at least I'm changing a few minds, you know? Um, well, and when someone like you, yourself or myself or Robert or Katie shows up, we're not what they expect. Look, we have tons of friends in the reptile hobby that are the tattoos and piercings and, and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause those I are good friends. I would be tattooed if I didn't have to teach. But, <laughs> but when we show up, when we show up to do that, they're like, Oh, these aren't, this is not the kind of reptile person I imagined coming to my house <laughs> to remove something. Yeah. We don't look the type. Um, and then well, that sometimes makes it easier. Yeah. Well, so, so our team is 18 people. The oldest person is 77. The youngest is 21. None of us look the same. None of us have the same backgrounds. None of us have the same careers. I got doctors. I got retired lawyers. I got surf instructors. I got a girl that's a model. We roll up. People are hoping she shows up for the call. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. But, uh, yeah, we're not we're – not, and I don't, I don't want to say there's a typical reptile person, but – if you go to reptile shows, you see that there's a lot of, like you said, tattoos and piercings, and I love all that stuff. Yeah, but I love all that. I wish I could do all that. Maybe yeah. when I retire, I can get double sleeves and start piercing <laughs> up a little bit. But for now, I got to be a clean cut, you know, kid. So I've I've got it. the The best business plan for you, Bruce, is you need to have that model on all of your. Uh, publications for what y'all do and then the people are like all right we need to come remove a snake and then you show up and the guy's like oh yeah, it's yeah. You. and you can hear you can hear that charlie brown wah, wah, yeah. wah. this is the fifth call from this frat house we've had this week for a snake <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no it's fun it's uh it's unique uh it's funny because we get together uh once a quarter as a team and we do it in my backyard and we invite people to bring their spouses and everybody brings adult beverages and my wife calls it our herpes meeting <laughs> i'm like honey we're not herpes we're herpers there's a big difference there's a big, big difference. difference there's a big we don't have any open source we're just herpers at least not open source from that like bites and stuff oh yeah awesome. right right yeah i uh I, I enjoy the cause of getting to go remove stuff from houses just because one you don't know what it is because look, the general public has no idea what is in their house or in their yard or what, it, you know, like you said, they'll tell you it's eight foot long and you get there and it's a baby rat snake and you know, it barely fits in, it fits right in the palm of your hand. But there's that drive on the way over there. Like, Oh, this could be something cool. And like, I, I, f- I hate to feel bad because sometimes I'm like, Oh no, it's a rat snake. And I'm like, I was really hoping it was something I don't normally see, but I still enjoy well, removing a rat snake. We're th- we're that way with uh, our most common snake is called a Southern Pacific rattlesnake. Oh yeah, it's it's highly toxic, but also incredibly common. And there is a time of our year where it's all babies. And the joke is, let me guess, you got another ten inch Southern Pacific? Go figure. So it's almost like when we get those calls, nobody wants to respond to them. We do, <laughs> but you know, to them, to the caller, it's a big deal. They have a baby rattlesnake. But to us, it's like, yeah, this is my 28th one of the day. What is the, uh, what's the one? What's the one everybody's hoping to find when they go to one of these calls out there? Reds. Reds. That's how I figured. It's kind of like the holy grail uh, of snakes. In fact, today when I was flying to San Francisco, I wasn't, I was on the plane, but we hadn't taken off yet. My phone rang. It was a snake call. So I put it out to the team. And when I landed and my phone came back to life, 
there was a picture of a five foot red oh, that one of my Wranglers got. And I was like, Oh man. Would that have been so, a call that you would have gone on personally? Had you not been? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was literally in my backyard. I mean, it was, it was 10 minutes from my home. So I would have rolled on that call, but uh, you know, we, we, we get, uh, we get several different kinds of snakes that aren't common. We get coach whips. Um, the, the real like, gem if there is one is called a rosy boa oh i love rosies yep and i've only so i've been in san diego 30 years i've seen three one was on a call and it was this year and it was a it was a home that backed up to the navy base and they didn't know what it was and she sent me a picture and literally i got chills i'm like i'll be there in 25 minutes (laughs) i I would have flown there oh it was, and it was the coolest rosy boa. They're they're so calm, and I kept that snake for about two weeks because I had five educational talks I was doing at schools and things, and I brought that little rosy everywhere. Each one of those because it's the perfect snake to hand over to a child or someone that's scared of snakes because they, I've never seen one show anything other than a calm disposition well i can change that for you oh, <laughs> yeah really I've, I've got i've got mexican rosies and uh and they they come out biting and they stay that way uh yeah really? i had a, the yeah. rosie i had was a Lindbergh albino and it bit me every time i dealt with wow it. wow um, i've never heard that again i've only i've caught three one was on a call two were on bike ride picked them both up handle them no problem but i've never heard that i i always just thought they were just there's chill snakes. They uh, and, and many of them can be. I've got uh, I've got a female who's due to drop any day now, and we'll see how many babies she gives me. But yeah, I've got some of her babies from years ago, and they still they still bite. But I would I need love to get to a, see I need them. to get a baby from you. I would love to have one as part of my uh, my home team that I can take to talks. Because right now, when I do talks, I uh, I try to bring like I usually have these talks planned a couple weeks in advance, so I can keep. I try to have. Gopher, king, rattlesnake, and then whatever weird one I can get. I try to always have at least three or four snakes, yeah. but they all go back into the wild. But Rosie's is just so uncommon to see them coastally. I know they're pretty common in San Diego County, but not coastally where we live. They're cool. And I, well, when I do any sort of talks, I've got, I always try to bring my Louisiana pine snake, even though now I'm in Texas and it's not as common, but you know, in Louisiana, it was always fun because I used to live there. But I always bring that one because that's a fun one and, and mine are pretty calm. I like to bring my speckled king because that's one people could see, and I've got a beautiful speckled king, and that's just an awesome looking snake. And that's one of those ones you'd be like, "This one eats snakes. You should like this snake." Yeah. Uh, so your speckled king probably looks exactly like my Florida king, which a lot of people say that's a speckled, and I say, "Well, no. The person that had it told me it was a Florida king, so I don't know really its background, but it's huge. I mean, she's." I don't know. I haven't measured lately. She's over five, but not quite six. My speckled, it's from um, Harris County uh, lineage. You got that in Texas. Which is Houston. Houston. Yeah, yeah, you Houston. know, you still live here. Um, and it is solid yellow belly and beautiful yellow speckles all over its body. Uh, oh, wow. And she is. Yeah, amazing. I'll have to text you a picture to see if they look alike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine's, uh, mine's be- but the cool thing is this snake is big and it looks so different than any snake you'd find in San Diego, but kids just, because they can take it and put it around her neck and do all the photos. It's the only snake that I would allow that. I never let any kids touch the snakes that I bring that I know are wild, but, but uh, Elvis, uh, my king snake's named Elvis. Um, 
my, my Elvis is the best because he's just like just a happy go lucky guy. Well, and that bull if it did act so much like a bull snake would be great too because you know it's not a gopher snake, but you can go. This one is very similar to what you have here. Uh, but yeah, but Drago is scary. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I've never met a really she, nice adult bull. She snake. is still not fond of me yet, and you know, I put my hand and I try to put my hand on her just so there's some tactile touch. She gets this hiss going, and I swear she's going to bite me, but she doesn't. But if I brought that out in front, oh no, his phone was ringing. I said we lost. Oh, his phone. Bay. I Bruce's phone did ring. Oh no, where did? No, that's our Wi-Fi has gone down too. Yeah, look at the. We pay so much for internet for it just to mess up. Did you mute me? Am I turned down? No. Are you sure? Oh wait, no, I didn't mute you. (laughs) I am muted. I'm running my mouth over Uh, here. Well, what's new? Uh, Maybe we'll come back at some. Because my keys were super loud. I was working on work stuff, and I type loud on this computer. I got to remember to bring the other computer. So I'm just going to talk to fill the void while James is uh, while I play with the internet and figure trying out trying to figure out why our internet that we pay so much money for doesn't work. Oh no! Oh well, it's fine. It's still recording on this end. It just means whoever's watching live will see the broadcast when we finally make it back. Wow! They kicked us all the fuck away off. Yeah, I know. We're coming back. Yeah. What were you saying, Katie? Were you just? I was just filling library. in the I was filling in the void. And there's Bruce. And we're back. back. Yeah, there you are. What happened? Uh, our internet just doesn't like us sometimes, even though we pay a lot for it. It hasn't done that in a while. No, it, it really hasn't. I think I said the most important thing the whole talk when you guys went away. Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Anybody watching live got to see it. The Raptor G understands. This is the episode's, you know, technical difficulty. <laughs> It happens. It Sorry happens. about that. I don't know if that was on my no. end or your end. No, it was us. It was us. AT&T likes to charge us a lot for internet and then just randomly mess up them on us. There you go. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy going. I would wish my, my goal this year is to get out and go herbing more in Texas. We've been here. This is my third year. And uh, I, I still have yet to see a diamondback rattlesnake. <clears throat> so I want to see a Western diamondback. That's one of my big things. Um. I know where we normally go road cruising, Robert saw one snake that I want to see in person, but he didn't get it, get a hold of it. Uh, there's the – one second. <coughs> what was it, Robert? You saw the, the – Prairie King? Something. Yeah, Prairie King. I want to see a yeah. Prairie King. One morning I went by myself. Yeah. Prairie Kings are cool. Have you seen coral snakes yet? Uh, I mean, I, I've i had people – when I worked at the zoo, people brought me coral snakes. I haven't seen them in the wild yet. But I haven't seen it out in the wild. Yeah, love- they're they're amazing. That was my favorite in Kingwood. It was the, the least common, but always always one of the favorite ones I'd find. We oh, have just a, so pretty. We have a population of melanistic coral snakes here in Brazoria County, uh, like almost completely jet black coral snakes, just south of us, uh, maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah. That are constantly people post, look at this snake. What is this? And sure enough, it's on a, it's down around the Brazoria area. Um, I'd love to go down there and find one of those. Yeah, those jet black coral snakes. I want to so make that a- the old rhyme. The old rhyme doesn't really come into play, does it? No, it does not. I want to get out west and go find some of the the cooler western Texas snakes. I do want to find one day. I want to find just one of those bright pink coach whips. Yeah, they're yeah. We we get them in San Diego, and they're probably different. But we had one this year, biggest one I've ever seen. Uh, top color was pretty standardized. Head was black. 
body was kind of a cool spotted, but the bottom all the way down was coral pink and That's it was cool. just beautiful snake. We don't get those very often. At least I don't, I don't see them that often. Uh, one of my favorites still to ever find in the wild uh, is in Louisiana is buttermilk racers. So like I said, well, I've said it before in here, the first time I saw a picture of one, it was in one of those field guides where they're all drawn, they're colored in the cartoon pictures. So like, yeah, whatever. And it was blue. And I'm like, well, there's no such thing as a blue snake. And then when I caught one, I was like, oh shit, these things really are blue in real life. Really are blue, yeah. Um, <clears throat> those are such just crazy looking snakes. But there are some yeah. snakes out West Texas that I want to see. Uh, was it the is it a shovel nose? The, the long nose snake. Long nose snakes. Long nose snakes. Long nose cool. are beautiful. I want to see those. I mean, I do want to see gray bands. Like everybody, that's one of the oh, things of I want to go. There's a gray band. I've seen a gray band. Right. But there are a lot of the other snakes out there that I would love to see. Some of the smaller colubrids. Like that, the chihuahua hook nose that farts on you when you pick it up. <laughs> I'll go for that. I'll take yep. a farting snake. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to find some of the stuff that I don't normally find. I, don't, I like decays, but I've seen a million decay snakes. Well, one of maybe like one of the Transpecos copperheads because those things are. Gorgeous. Oh, those are pretty. I don't think they're. I think they yeah. lumped them in now with another species, but I think they're lumped in with the broadband. I think so. They combine them with broadband. Uh, do, do you guys ever put out board lines? No, I. I have I friends that do, but we don't have anywhere to do it. This area where we're at is developing so fast you wouldn't even recognize it if you hadn't been here in 20 or 30 years. Um, and there's just nowhere left to do it. I mean, the city yeah. we live in, the city I live in is Manville. Um, 10 years ago was 2000 people and now it's 50,000 people. And in another 10 years, oh, wow. it'll be a hundred thousand people. Yeah. It's just, it's exploding out here, which is why we get so many snake calls now yeah. because these snakes still think it's rice fields. They don't know that yeah. these houses are yeah, there all of a sudden. Developed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we still have a lot of, of public land that they set aside for preserves and, and nature areas. And uh, I'm a huge, I, I put out board lines all all around my neighborhood. Well, my area, not just my neighborhood. And it takes a while, you know, it takes six, eight months. But boy, when they start producing, and, and the great thing is my snake calls will slow way down come December when it starts to get, you know, under 50 at night. But that's when I go out and, and hike my board lines. And, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to take the kids. And if I got buddies that want to bring their kids and I can almost guarantee we'll flip boards and find, you know, any day we could probably find 15, 20 snakes. Okay. So I'm really glad that you just said flip boards because I'm sitting here and I'm going, what is a board line? <laughs> I have no clue what any of you people are talking yeah. about. Yeah. So yeah. I'm so literally assuming it is a line that you have laid boards or tin or things like that. Yep. So the snakes have exactly. somewhere warm to go hang out when it's cold, yep. which you also just, keeps just, them from getting into houses. Textbook definition. Yeah. We, uh, we collect, stuff could be carpeting could be tin could be plywood and usually this time of year i go put them out and what happens is the grass or whatever is underneath them starts to decay and they start to you know you get the little mini ecosystems and you get the bugs mm -hmm. and then the lizards and then the rodents and then pretty soon the snakes so you know by by december january you know we'll go hike a, a one mile board line and we'll find 10 snakes yeah. um and we just leave them. You know, it's it's more just the fun of seeing what you find. It's like Christmas. Every time I flip a board, I'm like, it's like Christmas morning. And we photograph them and, you know, we put them in our, our catalog of, of snake photos. But uh, that's a lot of times where we'll find more unique snakes uh, than we're getting in, in people's homes. Coach whips, um, things like that. Patch no uh, We get shovel-nosed snakes. Um, Patch-nosed snakes. 
Yep. Just found a brim, a bimini blind snake. You ever oh, heard yeah. of that? So yeah, we. So uh, that was this year. I found my first blind snake in Austin, Texas. Yeah, back in May. And, Fli- uh, flipping rocks. Me too. Flipping rocks on a little park in the middle of a of a city. It's the coolest thing. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Little blind snakes. Yeah, that's. I mean, tarantulas and blind snakes that day. Yeah. Yep. Scorpions, tarantulas, and snakes. And people think I'm crazy, but you know, if you're into nature and you love to find creepy crawlies, flipping boards is. The best. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like Christmas. So, you don't know what's going to be is. in there. You, what's yeah, funny you know. The very first log I flipped this year was in Austin, and it had a big-ass wasp nest under it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm allergic, so I'm, like, running away from these wasps. And uh, yeah. I said, I hope that's not how this whole year goes. <laughs> so yeah, we watched, that's not uh, good. We watched a video today on – Oh my god, my brain just totally went blank. Yes, it's it did. The, it did. It's, the, it's, it. the, it's the big national park in Texas on the other side of Texas. Big Ben. Big, big, big Ben. There we go. So anyway, so we watched yep. we watched a video on that today and it was talking about the wildlife and they showed this video of a tarantula and the kids freak out. They're like, You can't really find those in the wild here. And I'm like, pause. Let me tell you about <laughs> us turning over some rocks. Yeah. Because well, we saw several on that I have trip. One in my house that my father in law found crawling up his leg a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, made no, a guys, whole terrarium and gave it to us. Well, and it's funny because you know, Bruce talks about they catch a snake and to release it, he goes on a hike to go release it. And I'm like, we don't have that. There's not a place around here for us to hike. We just have to go find someplace off the side of a road where we can release a snake. Like we have a, we have a rice canal near our, near our house. So if it's a water snake <laughs> or a cotton mouth, it goes in, <clears throat> in the rice canal. But right now they're building houses over there. I know. So I've had to find yeah. a new spot because if it's a water snake, I'll just go let it go around the corner from the people's house uh, right. or a uh, rat snake, non-venomous. But if it's a, co- a copperhead or a cotton mouth or. That's yeah, you got to have a little more. I got to get it away because, you know, I just don't want someone to yeah. stumble upon, upon well, it. Well, it's funny, though. Um, with with all the nature preserves we have, I still have to be really cautious when I do my relocations because I learned the hard way that if I go out walking with a big, bright, and all my buckets are green camo with red lids that say venomous snakes on it. <laughs> Very obvious what I'm doing. And I got grief multiple times from people also out enjoying the nature areas typically that had dogs that would ask what are you doing yep and i used to old bruce oh i'm just i'm just letting the snake go well, what kind oh it's a it's a red diamond or it's a southern pacific rattlesnake you want to see it they would get furious at me and try to tell me that this is where they walk their dog and all that so new bruce has a very sophisticated uh delivery system that is a <laughs> laundry bag that i bought on amazon that has backpack straps and it holds perfectly two of my buckets <laughs> and, oh my my earphones are telling me recharge i might have uh-huh. to switch to comms i hate to do this to <laughs> that's you. fine Hold on. yeah these are crappy ones that don't last. can you hear me yep yep okay um but but what i do now is I don't talk to anybody if they ask me what I'm doing, which no one's going to ask just somebody with a black backpack what they're doing because I could be a Unabomber. Um, (laughs) They don't know what I'm doing. So I just wait till I'm far enough away from roads and I'm deep enough into the area that I'm going that uh, I look around. I don't see anybody and I quickly, you know, I have a collapsible uh, snake hook that collapses or to about two feet. I use that so no one sees me with a snake hook. And uh, all my team has these bags now, and we all try to keep a low profile during a relocation. 
You just hope the backpack doesn't start rattling when you walk past people, right? Well, <laughs> and, and you know, what's funny is they, they often are rattling because they pick up the vibrations of my movement. And, you know, if I pass someone close enough, they're going to hear it. So I just try to pass quickly and, you know, don't, don't engage, don't engage eyes down. Don't talk. Look at the ground. <laughs> uh, I watched uh, the video where you were releasing a big red diamond. Was it probably a month ago? Yeah, the one that struck the top of the bucket. Yeah. It was, oh, right, man. It was like right on the other side of the bucket from you, and it came. It kind of came back at you. So that was a scary one. Yeah, that was this year. This was early in the season, and it was a very, very large red. And typically, they're calm. And this particular one, I hiked – so reds have to be treated differently than, than a lot of our other snakes. You have to take them to hilly, rocky. That's their natural terrain. And so I hiked for quite a while, and I think that might have been why it was so irritated because it was probably a 45-minute hike to get to this. Uh, we have this big water tower. I don't want to say too much where it is, but basically a water tower. There's nothing around it except rocky outcrops, and it's a perfect place for these snakes. But by the time I – took it out of my bag and then you saw what happened that sucker hit the top of that as i was about to undo it i heard it go boom yeah <laughs> uh-oh and all i had was my i think i only maybe i had a big hook that day i can't remember but i chose to just tump the bucket over which usually i slowly bring them out and delicately put them down but that guy was he was sizable he was one of the bigger ones this season I think that's the video that I watched. Yes, yeah, there was. I think that's yeah. I think that's the one I watched because in the video you, even, I think you even talked about how you normally are just like super calm about letting them go, and this was just like a real quick. Yeah, thing. that. But well, and unfortunately, I tipped the I tipped so I set my phone up because I was by myself, and I had to prop it up on a rock, which is the butt. But I tipped the bucket towards the camera. Well, it doesn't come out right away, and I can't see. I can't. I can't see what's going on. So I'm trying to shake the bucket, and it's just irritating the snake even more. So by the time he finally folds out of the bucket, he's not happy at all. Um, but I have to say, as soon as it got outside and it realized he was free, he just calmly went off. But there was a few moments of of sweat coming down my forehead. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have full respect for these animals. I fully understand what a snake like that, you know, me 45 minutes from the nearest road, if I was bitten, there's, it's no joke. Oh, there's a, you know, I've always, when I, when I worked at the zoo, I worked with Gaboon Viper. We had a big Gaboon Viper. We, oh. I used to catch it by hand to give it injections because it didn't, it didn't eat for a long time anyways. But, uh, doing everything right. Safety wise, knowing I had all the safety, everything I had its head in a tube and all your ass still puckers when that thing huffs and puffs and you're like, this thing could kill me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even like when, when I was jumping on the back of an alligator and you, that moment you have to take your hands from its neck up its face to grab the mouth, that split moment, you're like, I could lose a hand. Like there's yeah. a, there's a moment where they're like, if I don't do this right, this is the last day I have fingers. <laughs> like, okay. But, but isn't that kind of why we do what we do? Yes. Yes. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> let's cut the bullshit. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I am an adrenaline junkie, and I'm now married with two kids. I drive a minivan. <laughs> There's not a lot that is pumping my adrenaline. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the fact that I get to 
work with venomous snakes. <laughs> In fact, I'll tell you this. My wife and I have been married 17 years. We have a great relationship. I always tell her, my midlife crisis is not going to be a Ferrari. It's not going to be the golf cart girl at the golf course. It's snakes. I hope you can be okay with this. Um, and she is. She's like, just don't get bitten. Just don't get bitten. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you know I'm, I'm a teacher now, and part of me really misses knowing that I could jump into a pit with a you know 12-foot crocodile and feed it and clean the thing. It used to drive me nuts. I'd be in there with crocodiles or alligators having to clean the pool and do the yard. And people would just walk by me because they see a keeper inside of the thing. They're like, oh, there's nothing in there. Keep walking. Because when you walk by like a tiger or a bear enclosure, yeah, it's locked up inside. But to me, I'd like, they'd walk by and it's just something like, hey, he's right there. I wanted to make <laughs> sure that they knew that I was in here with the giant crocodile. I'm like, he's right there. He's, don't keep walking. <laughs> Look how manly I am. Yeah, pretty much. But I, I, missed, I missed that. I don't get, you know. I mean, I get it. As a teacher, I'm more likely to probably get killed as a teacher than I was as a zookeeper. Let's but- not go there, please. Let's not even put that out in the universe. <laughs> well, your school is the closest high school to Santa Fe High School. Damn. Which means I'm most likely not. Right. Because Those the odds are. In two next to yeah, each other. two shootings next to each other. Why are so. we still talking about this? <laughs> but uh, but I, do, I do miss I miss working with venomous snakes and large crocodilians. And there is that like, yeah, they, they could definitely kill you, but... Afterwards, you're like, I fucking did that. And that was awesome. Not everybody can do that. Well, and there's a certain admiration that comes from the normal human that has no knowledge of venomous snakes or alligators or crocs that just, they look up to you, which, you know, I, I didn't do anything crazy in my life. I got a business degree in college. I had a normal job. I wasn't some super exciting fireman or navy seal or swat gunman but snakes people are like they're they're pretty passionate about what we do but they're scared to death so they are infatuated with the fact that there are people like all of us that don't have that inherent fear and are for no other reason other than our own pleasure working we choose to do this right yeah yes i mean no one's putting a gun to my head and saying you need save snakes in san diego california i get up every day and i get excited about doing it and i want to do it and i hope i can do it until i'm physically not capable and and until that day comes i'm going to keep doing it so when y'all are working with with venomous snakes and and removing them uh do you teach your group your guys is it very much a hands-off tool use your tools try not to touch them if, if at all possible yeah so every one of my team i have personally trained and the training is done first. It's always done at my house to start. It's very contained. It's always done textbook. Uh, they start where the snake is in an enclosed area. They're outside of it. They get the snake in and out. But then I remove that, and they now they have to deal with the snake out. And then we go out into the yard where it's actually in bushes and, and grass and it's always the same thing. Safety, 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 safety. In fact, I jokingly say that I'm going to do everything I can to try to break your concentration while you're working with the snake. And I don't want you to break. And there's one of our girls that just joined our team. Hopefully she's not listening. She brought her husband and her new twins. The twins are two years old. Oh and God. Yeah. So, so they were videoing and we were doing the contain part where the snake is in a small enclosure she was fine. But what she didn't see is I went over to her husband and I said, 
when I get the snake out and she starts to work with it, I want you to say, hey, Shannon, if she looks over at you, I'm going to bust her ass. So we get the snake out. She's focused on the snake and clockwork. Her husband goes, hey, Shannon. And she looks up and looks away from the snake. And I go, you failed. So as jokingly and funny as it was, I'm dead serious. When you got a snake out, that snake is your only priority. The dog's barking, the kid's yelling, the people screaming. You don't hear any of that until the snake is in the bucket, the lid is tight, and the secured. The secured. That's it. It's all safety. It's all safety. Well, and that, uh, that bull snake may be a great one for training because that thing, <laughs> that can really tense some people up and not risk someone dying. So. Yeah, you said factor the pucker factor with drago's high <laughs> well and I, I imagine you know so you've got the social media presence and if someone has joined your team seeing some of your videos there's also a whole thing where you have to pay, look when you go on you're not there to entertain right you are there to do a job so yeah. you know I, a lot of people want to get into working with reptiles because of people they've seen online doing yeah. entertaining not educational but entertaining yeah and well Funny, so I get asked a lot, we want to join your team. I always start with a coffee shop meeting. And at that meeting, I'm I'm judging you. I hate to say that, but I'm gauging why are you interested? What, or what is your reason? Are you professional? Are you polite? Are you clean? Are you neat? Is every other word out of your mouth going to be the F word? Because if any of those things are not what I want to hear, there's no future in doing snake relocation. It's not only until that meeting and then if they – get them through that. I asked them to purchase three things, boots, tong, four things, boots, tong, hook, bucket. And it's about, I tell them which ones to get. It's about $400 investment until they show a little skin in the game. That's, that's as far as we go. And once they buy the gear, then we go to training and then they go on ride alongs and then they get to be part of the team. So it's no joke. Um, I mean, if a bite happens, you know, it's a $200,000 medical bill and yeah. five days are, it's no joke. Yeah. It's well, and so this is a little off, but on topic, because just something that's got posted recently on, on, on social media. Uh, and, uh, I'll talk to him, talk about him the way I normally do. One of the dumbasses in Florida, uh, <laughs> cause I don't feel like saying his name. Uh, I'm always worried about him getting bit by his pet cobra because he free handles that shit on online. And and someone getting bit in the U.S. by their pet is not good for us as a hobby, right? It, 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 that one person can ruin the entire hobby. Uh, I don't technically mean luckily, but I kind of do mean luckily. He did get bit by a cobra recently. Luckily, it was in, in India. It- and so it didn't count against us. But that's what happens when you go into the wild handling a wild animal and all you've ever handled is a captive animal that is way calmer and you think it's going to be the same thing and you try to do it trying to be entertaining paying attention to the camera and trying to do stuff that you shouldn't be doing while handling something that is like basically handling a loaded gun without worrying about if you're touching the trigger or not right yeah and i know exactly who you're talking about um and i'm not going to say his name either but if you if you peel back the layers on that, he, he does have quite a bit of experience um, with wild snakes. This particular thing that he was doing a, a show on was the top four, I think they call them the big four of India, the most deadly snakes in India, which India has the most deaths of anywhere else in the world by bite. And his talk was on the top four and he let his guard down. I hate to say it. And he was bitten. Um, 
and it's sad because I think he's a good human, um, but he, he is very lucky that he survived that bite. Yeah. Well, if you watch it, you can watch if you if he had been paying attention to the snake's movements, you could have seen it was coming. Yeah. If, you, if you've handled snakes, you can tell when they're going to allow you to do stuff, and you can yeah. tell when they're just not due to doing it that day. Yeah. And yeah. He, and he, he was looking at the camera instead. Yep. And it got him. And it's funny is there's another guy equally as well known on social media. Again, we won't say any names, but he has also lost a finger. Yes. Doing something very similar. And, you know, I, I get bitten a lot by non-venomous because I think you said it earlier. Just it's I just don't even use my tools. I just pick them up. But my goal is to never be bitten. I'm knocking on wood, even though in this hotel room, I don't think it's real. <laughs> Some kind of fake wood, but my goal is to continue doing what I'm doing and never be bitten by a venomous snake. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to know what it feels like. I have no interest in finding out how painful it is. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I go on and on about safety, but it's no joke. And those guys, unfortunately, their their number was drawn and they got bitten. Yeah. And it's just, it worries me. And people try to play it off as if it's not a problem, but I know how many younger people watch that kind of stuff because that's how they get information nowadays is sure. that that method. And they see someone do something online, and yeah, they think, I can do it, and they don't have the experience. They don't have someone teaching them how to properly do it. The fact that you really shouldn't put hands on this animal, there's no reason to put hands on the animal yeah. if you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, when I, I worked with venomous snakes – and I'll tell people, yeah, I used to work at the zoo. I used to work with rattlesnakes and kaboom viper all this. And I always get the, well, have you ever been bit? And I was like, no, because I was good at my job. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the – Because my wife would kill me should be the right answer. Well, you'll hear yeah. some, some venomous people say it's not a matter of if you get bit, but when you get bit. I don't think that's true. I know if, plenty of the guys who handle venomous that have never been bit. Yeah. If you have for years and years and years. If you're doing it right. <clears throat> like if you're doing it right, that's not a thing. The one that – anybody that we know that's ever gotten bit has gotten lazy. And they'll they, tell, they tell you that they got lazy. Yeah. We have a friend yeah. who has missing a finger from a monocle. No, a spec monocle. monocle one of the cobra. Yeah. And he said he was getting ready to go on a ski trip and they were leaving in like an hour to go to the catch a plane and he was feeding snakes and they were in bins and he opened it up and threw that rat in there. And instead of flipping the rat in his finger got up there and it got him on the end of the finger. And yeah. uh, he ended up on a on a ventilator and in the hospital and didn't go skiing and lost that finger. And he'll yeah. tell you every time that it was a hundred percent his fault. Yeah, and you know, it's I've so I've had I've had very close calls, uh, and I have to say none of the, well, I was going to say it wasn't because I was not paying attention, but I was I was doing things that I I'm not used to doing. One in particular, we had a rattlesnake that was caught in garden netting, and uh, we cut the netting big enough around the snake that we could just put the snake and the netting in my bucket. I brought it home. I called one of my other guys. I explained the situation, but I didn't have a set of tubes to tube the snake's head. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. I've got a set in my truck. Yeah. I didn't at the time, this is going back years and years ago. I didn't have a set of clear tubes. So he brought a metal tube over. And the problem with it is I put the head of the snake in so we could cut the netting off. Well, we couldn't see what the snake was doing inside the tube. Well, it turned around 180 and came right back out and struck 
luckily missing my hand by probably a half an inch. Um, wow. And, but, but it was my fault. You know, okay. I shouldn't be doing that with inadequate tools. I should have said, we got to do something different. Um, and you can imagine how quickly I went on Amazon and bought a <laughs> set of tools or tubes. Um, but that was, that was the closest I've come to a negligent bite. And it was my fault. You know, I, I shouldn't have done that, but you know, uh, close calls are often great learning opportunities because I certainly learned a valuable lesson. I think maybe bites like we were just talking about to the two people. Let's hope they were learning experiences for them because I would hate to see him again. We're not going to say his name because he's a decent human get bitten a second time because I think his luck was really good on his side to live through that. And I don't even think he lost a finger. No. At you least know. I don't. No, they. He, he was he, fine afterwards. Yeah, he didn't. Um, yeah. So our listener uh, Raptor G that said that uh, the crazy thing he used to watch those guys from Florida before he had any idea about any of that uh, that it was that kind of what they did was not the best, and and he's learned and and so that's like I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying a lot of what they do I think is bad for the hobby, and a lot of people will say, well, they bring people into the hobby. I'm like, yes, but not the right way. Like, there's a at way- what cost? Yeah, that. Um, you know the. In California, there's a guy that's about to have a TV show that I think is doing it the wrong way. You don't know. Not nope, about that. He has, a TV. he has a TV show. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to the original guru of doing all this stuff long before YouTube and Instagram was Steve Irwin. Sure. Irvin. Ir- sure. Irwin. Yeah. I mean, the guy, that's how I cut my teeth on snakes. I was a kid. I thought he was a hero. Me too. But risks. I mean, he would... He would put his face right up to, you know, an inland taipan, you know, this close with it sitting in front and, you know, look how beautiful. He took risks. He got bitten. I don't know that he was ever bitten or not by a venomous. I can't remember. I know he got tagged by a lot of snakes, but I don't know. But, you know, if he'd have been bitten by a venomous snake, we'd be talking about him right now, even though most of us loved him. Well, and and so I, and I always... It's different. I always said there was something different about him. And and I with certain people, there are things different. So my, my old uh, director at the zoo was a different human around animals. Animals just oh, – God. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. I mean, there's stories I've heard from him from people that worked with him that like if they didn't hear from that person, I'd be like, yeah, that didn't fucking happen. But there's stories of like he'd go to catch monkeys to get them to – so he'd go out like on the monkey island with the crate, open the crate, tell the monkey to get in. It walked in, closed the door behind it. Your chameleon, by the way, just fell. Did Eddie. he fall? Yeah. Fucking and he's looking at us like, what the fuck did you just do to me? Fucking chameleons. How <laughs> did he just, boom, I heard him. So I just Why looked it up. He, he they, looks they, so they, angry. They, they claim Steve was never bitten by a venomous snake. Because I've always said he knew it. Now, look, yes, it does look very, some of it is very, I mean, I, I can picture the him with a King Brown by the tail trying to have it not bite his leg. Look, that happened. But. I think his experience with the animals is very different than some of the other people nowadays whose main experience comes from captive collections first, whereas his childhood was spent in the wild. And so I think he had a completely different understanding of the behavior. Now, I don't think that's the best way to teach people to do it, but look, it brought a lot of us into the hobby. Yeah. But he also, it just feels different. It feels different watching him do that stuff and hearing him talk about it back then than it does the people I hear on YouTube now talking about it. Yeah. And, and, and I completely agree. Like I, I think Steve had real world experiences and then opened his zoo, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
and his wife are Robert and Bindi are, are taking on his life like uh, dreams. Um, and I think living where he lived, he had access to a lot of dangerous animals. I mean, the funnel webs and the crate or the inland and the coastal taipans and the browns. I mean, he worked with all those, but I also think he ran a zoo. But the guy that we're talking about that was bitten in India, he has a public open to the public place too. So there's parallels. And I, I think it's unfortunate that he did get bitten because he's certainly not Steve. Uh, there'll never be another yeah. Steve in my opinion. Um, but I agree. He let his guard down and he was bitten and it was live. He got it on video. Everybody sees it. He's, he's posted it himself. He's not trying to hide the fact that he was bitten. So I totally it, missed that it. it was live. Well, I don't know if it was live. live. It, oh, okay, gotcha. He had eight. He had like eight camera people recording from different angles. I mean, he got that bite well documented. Um, I don't know if I was bitten, I'd probably go dark on that subject for a while. I don't think I'd be putting that on my social media. I, I, and that's, I guess, that's the different world we live in because you know, that's going to get a ton of viral views, and that's obviously how makes a large, large part of its money from that. But, yeah. but yeah, if I'm a person who is been you know told by the hobby what you do is ridiculous especially with your large king cobra and then you go get bit by a cobra i would be like maybe i shouldn't tell everybody i got bit by a cobra yeah yeah the irony's strong there um yeah i feel bad i mean i'm just glad he didn't uh didn't die yes that would would have been bad for all of us well uh different (laughs) subject i'm sorry good bruce i cut you off by just saying all we need is one high profile person die from snake bite and a lot of the work that we've all put in trying to teach people that they're not evil not not horrible goes down the drain so i'm really glad he came out of it almost unscathed yeah i agree so just kind of wrap up here at the end uh tell us about the trip you just got back from oh yeah yeah well so uh my wife and i are big adventure travelers and because of that we forced our kids to be as well and (laughs) They actually love it. Um, They're only 12 and 14, but we try to take one big trip a year to somewhere that we all vote on. And it's planned a year in advance, if not longer. And this year's trip we just got back from was a safari in Kenya. And it was so cool. It was mind blowing. Um, We, we did the same type of trip in 2019 and we went to Botswana and Zimbabwe, which at the time, we thought was the coolest adventure ever. Well, hard to believe, but Kenya trumped it, in my opinion, by tenfold. I mean, we saw so many, so many things that you want to see in your mind when you think of safari. Up close, we saw, I won't gross you out, but we saw lion kills. We saw leopard kills. We saw cheetah kills. We saw crocs we saw hippos we saw elephants we saw cape buffaloes we saw rhinos all the things that when you put your mind to safari that you think you want to we saw up close and personal the only downside and of course this is funny because i wanted to see lots of snakes and in two and a half weeks we only saw two they were cool ones uh, but i'd hope to see i for some reason in kenya i thought i'd see a snake every time i walked out of my house but that wasn't the <laughs> So what'd you end up seeing? 
So we saw a large, uh, arguably, I said 12, the guide's 14, so we'll call it 13-foot African rock python swimming up a small creek. And when we saw it, uh, we were in the safari vehicle, which if you haven't been on safari, you stay in the vehicle pretty much all the time unless you got to pee or you're having cocktails at sundown, which they call sundowner. So you're protected in the vehicle. Well, we saw this python. And I wanted to jump out of that vehicle so bad. And <laughs> he, was, he was willing, but he said, I'm not worried about, because he knew my background. He said, I'm not worried about you with that snake. I'm worried about the leopard or the lion that you don't see in those bushes that jumps out when you jump out to get that. Because yeah. as soon as you exit the safari vehicle, you become part of the, the food chain. Right. When you're in, they see you as a big, scary thing. But when you get out, you're just a small prey. So when he said that, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm good. And then I saw, uh, we saw a small red-necked, I think it's called a red neck spitting cobra. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was very small. It was probably less than two feet. Uh, the guide pointed it out to us, um, and he had glasses on, or he actually had a face shield. So uh, he was able to actually get it to spit, which was pretty cool. I've never seen that live. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, about four feet accurate right onto his uh, face shield. So that was fun. Um, but, yeah, Kenya is uh, – the people of Kenya are beautiful and sweet and loving and amazing. And uh, if you ever get a chance to put safari on your list and you're an adventurous person, it topped everything that we've done so far in our lives. How old are your children? So I have two girls, uh, 12 and 14. That's awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah. i'm waiting for that uh everybody telling me because they look like mom thank god not look like dad so i'm in for it um i just hope the fact that uh you know i own a lot of firearms and i play with venomous snakes that that'll keep the boys uh respectful and hey that's me i i uh i make sure that my daughter knows that i know where alligators are located and i don't mind cutting up a body and feeding it to them (laughs) no problem at all ours is 12 yeah. yeah, 12. So 12 is a cute age because they're not completely buttholes. No. But they're <laughs> the butthole the butt well. circle. <laughs> so yet again, we have a different story with that. Yeah. Mine is about to be 21 in a few weeks. And, wow. Uh, and then my son's 13. Um, yeah, my 21-year-old is like the most responsible person I know. Um she's i don't know where she learned oh it. without a doubt uh she's awesome you know she lives her and her girlfriend live together they she has a career already wow um, yeah she house I mean, sits for us when we go out of town yeah, like. yeah she's great um she's a great kid mm-hmm. so i'm what? i'm boring if i went to kenya i uh what? oh go ahead go ahead bruce nope sorry i cut you guys off because i don't have my head go ahead i was saying i'm boring if i go to kenya like all the cool things are like the lions i'd love to see all that stuff but I want to see a Kenyan sand boa. Like I, I have like 20 of them in my snake room. I want to see one in the wild. No, didn't see it. And, and that was one that I would have died to see. Um, you know, there was a, there was a time where we got out of the vehicle. Um, and he said, we can go look around this rocky area. He has seen big cobras there. So we all got out. He got out first, the guide made sure there was no hidden leopards, lions, whatever. 
I didn't find a cobra or a boa or anything else, but I found a long shed skin of a cobra. So I snuck that back on the plane. So I have a cobra. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're there. Uh, you know, all the guides were telling us stories of, of the snakes they've seen in camp and the big mambas and, uh, you know, boom slang and all the snakes we all learned about as kids. So I was really hoping to, um, but I took I took the uh, two that I saw as good fortune. That was that was fine enough for me. Yeah, we're I've got to go do something. I want to do that, or I want to go to South America and see like a rainbow boa in the wild or a boa in the wild. That's that's what <laughs> I want to be do. like my buddy and go to Costa Rica and have just, one crawl on your balcony, just run across yeah. the golf course. Yeah, or yeah, it's, my other buddy lives in uh, Playa del Carmen that had one on the golf course a few a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, um. So I asked one other question to our to our uh, listeners, and it was a non herping question. It was a herp hobby related question. Uh, and knowing that you only own two snakes, it, uh, you can answer this one in a minute, but we'll see. Uh, I asked people, do they have a limit on how much they would spend to buy one animal? Yes, James. Yes, you have a limit. <laughs> so, I didn't say if I had a limit. I know I have a limit. My limit is my bank account. Uh, but uh, so I'll go, I just want to go through a few of them because some of them I'm like must be nice. But our friend Megan said it depends on the animal. For an indigo, she's willing to pay for a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'd love an indigo, just a big eastern indigo. Ah, uh, um, but then she said, on the other hand, she dreams of having a lavender false water cobra or an exanthic black-headed python, but she can't bring herself to spend the five thousand dollars or whatever to get one of those. So on average, her her limit is about five hundred bucks. And then uh, uh, Rebecca asked her if her hus- if uh, Megan's husband said it was in the budget. Her <laughs> right. husband's an accountant. Yeah, her husband's an accountant. Everything's and always everything it's not in the budget. Is, it's not in the budget. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think any of that is in the budget. Uh, our buddy Sean Gray from the Herp Show says he spent ten thousand on one animal. Must be nice. Uh, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. He got an Aldabra. Well, he did get an Aldabra. That is true. Isn't that the animal he's referring? I to? I would imagine. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The, or is it the how much are wallabies? I wouldn't be surprised if he paid that much for some high end like blue tongue gecko, or gecko morph back in the day. Well, that's true. Some of those leopard oh, geckos. Oh, he was yeah. real big in those. And that was when they were really just kind of going. Just so. getting started. That's yeah. true. He uh, no, said <laughs> the shinglebacks. I love. He said it, it just depends on what it is, and if shinglebacks became available, he'd sell a kid. I'm not gonna. <laughs> lie. I'm not gonna. Lie. Uh, if love... we could own a diamondback terrapin, I would strongly consider selling our. So, child. but I, that's not a money thing. We can afford yeah. them. We just can't legally have one. Correct. Yeah. I was. I had a long conversation with the guy, the the owner, Roush's Reptiles, this weekend. He breeds diamondback terrapins in Mississippi, and he's like, "Yeah, it sucks. I come over here and I can't bring them with me." Yeah, everyone will buy them. Yep. Freaking amazing turtles. Uh, our friend Danielle said she spent eighteen hundred on one animal, which was an indigo, uh, but usually she doesn't spend more than five to six hundred bucks. Uh, our buddy Drew Schultz, I mean, he owns a zoo, but he says his bucket list animals like lace monitors, Galapagos tortoises, or Chinese alligators would be worth spending five digits. And it's just a question, a question of whether I could actually get the money. I'm not going to lie. If someone said I could buy a Chinese alligator, I'd sell every fucking thing I own. <laughs> I be, would allow it. It'd be the only reptile <laughs> I own. I will allow it. I'd sell every single one to buy a Chinese alligator. I would allow it. I love <laughs> I love those guys. I used They're to work awesome. with them. I love them. I like John, our friend John Grant's response. He said he spent 10000 on an animal f- before and probably would do it again. Back in the day before he had responsibilities like kids and a family, he spent 2500 to 4000 on animals regularly. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so Drew's, <laughs> Drew's wife said she spent 2300 on a Shih Tzu and would do it again. Fuck that. 
<laughs> Look, I've met the sh- I've met the Shih Tzu. It's a nice dog. Yeah, she's a sweetie pie. I ain't spending twenty three hundred dollars on a dog. Yeah, that's crazy. I can go to the pound and get one for sixty five bucks. I'm not. It's just not happening. Uh, oh shit! I didn't realize my dad had answered. What did my oh dad God, say? Oh God! What did he say? So my dad said, "Not a reptile," but I thought my limit was the adoption fee from the shelter until his. Do- uh, they got their dog. Their their golden. They have doodle. an Irish golden doodle. He can't believe he spent a thousand dollars on a pet. I can't believe he spent a thousand. This man wouldn't have bought me shit. He did buy me my first snake, but I was like a senior in high school by the time. He used to give us so much shit because we had dogs. Yes. Like he did not understand the attachment. When he spent a thousand dollars, and now to listen to him talk about it, I'm like, what the fuck? What happened to you? Yeah. My grandpa was the same way. Because it's not. It was bought for his mom. It is. I don't care what they. This say. is not it the man that raised not me. His mom's dog. It, it is, is 100% his dog. It is not the man there. He talks about how his dog has like depression when he leaves. I'm like, what the fuck is going on at your house? <laughs> <laughs> he became a grandpa and now he's a softy. Bullshit. That is not the man. <laughs> That's not the same man I know. <laughs> Some fucking pod people. Uh, our friend Brittany Patches said it definitely depends on what it is, but uh, not really the cost of the animal, but the total sum in acquiring that animal. Like one of my parrots uh, was fifteen hundred dollars for her alone. Yeah, that's a parrot. That, that's your own fault. But, yeah, she but said then she had to fly. She had to fly to get her. So a few hundred on plane tickets. Yeah. And the airline approved carrier. Then had spent another grand on her cage and setup. Yeah, Brittany, you made a bad decision. First <laughs> off, it's a parrot. Why'd you buy a parrot? Stop that. Brittany went from she's 10, like the 10, bird spiders, with birds. She was like, I got all these spiders. You know what? Let's get rid of spiders and get birds because silence was horrible. I want right. to make sure I never hear anything ever again. <laughs> Freaking a Ash, our buddy Ashley Howdy said highly depends. Animal sales fund animal purchases. So selling three to six hundred dollar animals puts rare purchases in a couple thousands. Uh, when selling a ten thousand dollar animal, though, you can purchase uh, five digit investments. Well, that's she sells some expensive geckos. Yes, she mm-hmm. does. So, yeah. uh, Brian Lovins, he but he does this now as a career, right? This is his career. So, no, Brian's still. Is he still working? Yeah. Oh, wow. So he's okay. He said when he was getting back into it, uh, he had a very low price threshold, but then he met our buddy Carl and learned the price is irrelevant and the amount I'm willing to spend is only limited by the bank account. And I would not hesitate to pull from my 401k if it made sense. Good hey, luck, Brian. I, uh, but I mean, Brian does also have a business. Yes. Carl does it full time. And Carl makes the most amazing leeches. I would say Carl has leeches that are worth right. more than my car. So, you know. Carl's actually my roommate this weekend. Is he really? He's good. He'll be your roommate. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Robin said, I don't have a limit, but my bank account does. If I had the money, I'd be dropping 20 to 40K on some Tegus. Oof. Uh, Kelly Miller said, up to 3,000. That's only because tiger squams are worth it, both in the US and UK. Going through a couple other ones. Uh, Tosh Haver said, depends on the animal and the rarity. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's it's my bank account. I, 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 it, so the two, the biggest purchase I made were those two adult boas that I bought a year ago. And I had to convince Katie and let me use house. Normally it's snake money for snakes. And that was the one time where I was like, I don't have currently have snake money for snakes. So I need house money for snakes. And, uh, and then I, I allowed got, it. And then I got house money for snakes. But then, wow. she, she, but then the, then the snakes, she had, had babies, babies this year. And then when those sell, the money comes back into the house fund. So. Mama gets money back. Yes. Until until then, then I get my money, and then I can start Which buying. Which means it's going to pay for our daughter's dental work. So, <laughs> kids suck. I already have the money spent. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but but Bruce, you don't own it. So if if you if you were allowed to buy reptiles, would you would there be kind of a limit on what you would spend? So the two words you said in that question: if 
and allowed. <laughs> so, as mentioned, my wife is not a big snake person. Uh, she only embraces it because I do. Uh, so, when I say I'm adopting a reptile, there's less problem. When I actually say I'm buying one, then the red flags go up because we have braces, we have college, we have dance, you know. So, for me to say I'm buying a reptile of any price, uh, would be a challenge. Although I will say during COVID, my wife decided and I agreed and we did it. We bought a very expensive dog, which I love dearly. She's my sweetest baby in the world. But when I found out what that cost was, plus the flight nanny, plus the care, plus all the shots, you know, that's first year college right there, in my opinion. But, um, I guess, I guess, I don't have a reptile or snake that I've always dreamt of owning. So it would be hard for me to say, because I don't, there's not been one that I've just always put on the pedestal. So I really don't even know. I, I think when I heard some of the prices you were just throwing out, I was choking on my, on my, <laughs> my stomach hurts when I read yeah. some of these comments. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I've taken my kids to reptile shows a few times and we glance at prices but I've never really known until, God, right now. Are you kidding me? Some of these things cost ten thousand dollars. Go buy Boland's python. Yeah, Boland's pythons are ten thousand or more. I, I could get a pretty good used Harley for ten grand. <laughs> See, that's something I would expect my dad to say. Like, no, it sounds like your dad. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. I I I just I don't I don't intend to be a big keeper of reptiles ever. My <clears> my focus is. Is and I love that. I, I admire people that do. I just I don't have the space. I don't have a wife that's going to allow it. I don't have the time. I travel for work, uh, and when I'm home, I'm you know doing snake stuff for the community. So I I, I would assume if you have a ten thousand dollar whatever, you're going to want to spend a lot of time with it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't have that kind of time. Um, I just don't. Well, in some of those you're going to buy a pair. Yeah, because you're trying to breed them to make ten thousand dollar babies, so right? You're twenty grand in it. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess if you're breeding them and making money on your investments, uh, that makes total sense to me. I'm a businessman, so that that jives. Yeah, but just buying a cool animal to have an enclosure and have it at home, and that's what what it's bought for. Um, that part doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's that's whenever I buy something. Like- if I'm buying something morph-wise and a snake, I'm like, all right, I've got plans for what I'm going to breed this so I can make that money back and then what I can do yeah. next. And normally yeah. explaining those plans does make it a little more okay for me. <laughs> right, right. And there's the business side of it. But, uh, I mean, there's so many beautiful snakes that I want to encounter uh, in in the wild. Uh, and like I said, every year we're going to try to take a trip. And whenever we're talking about it, my part of my plan is always i want to see reptiles um so i think next year 2024 is thailand so i'm already trying to figure out what i might be able to find when we're in thailand Uh um and i think after that is india so we're going to try to avoid what you know who (laughs) uh and if i if i do encounter i'm not going to get bitten a buddy of mine just left thailand today he's been there for two and a half months and um, oh, he but he's a herpetologist and he's been there on a research trip. So king cobras, all kinds of cobras and crates and taipans and 
Uh, wow. Not Taipans. Uh, what are the ones? Uh, yeah, crates. Mini banded crates. crates. The one that killed yep. Slowinski. Yep. He's every yep. day. He's been posting all kinds of crazy stuff. And the food he's been eating over there just looks amazing. Yeah. Um, he did. He did get to try uh, the um, the Burger King all cheese thing because that's where it's at. <laughs> and uh, he's like two bites. That's all I could get. <laughs> it's like forty slices of cheese on a bun. Yeah. So we normally talk food, and we haven't talked food. I do want to talk one thing. McDonald's this weekend was like, we have a big announcement coming ah, on Monday, and all I'm the com- so pissed. All the comments were like, you better be rank- being back the snack wrap. Everybody was like, snack wrap, snack wrap. They made the announcements. It's a fried like cheese triangle. You get fried cheese from McDonald's. It is not the snack. I was wrap. like, nobody fucking asked for that. Nobody <laughs> wants it. Why is it on the menu? What is wrong with you? It's Ugh. like they're attempting to do a cheese curd. That's horrible. Uh, but it's not. It, it looks like Velveeta cheese no, inside no of a culprits. triangle. Fried tri- it's It's not, it's not a snack wrap. snack wrap. And the whole comment section was pissed off that they didn't bring back the snack wrap. I was pissed. <laughs> so, or the pickerel. That'll come back because they'll bring that back every year because for some reason people like to pretend they're eating a rib when it's not really a rib. Anyways. Oh, no. I just want to know where it goes when it leaves. <laughs> right. I'd love to. Where the hell does it go? <laughs> right. They got to raise more of those McRibs. They they <laughs> ate them all, and they got to raise all those McRibs back up. All those cows. You got to grow more McRibs. That's right. That's uh, right. I want to do a run-through of our discussion group real quick. Some of the things that got posted this week in our discussion group. Oh, I haven't read the article. Did either one of y'all read the article that says Texas woman was mowing the grass when a snake yes. and a hawk Yes, attacked and her? I've watched the videos. Yeah. It is like freak of nature accident happening. I don't, I don't believe her I don't story think it's bit. true at all, but apparently she was mowing the lawn and a snake literally fell from the sky because a hawk dropped it. I but then the hawk swooped down no. and tried to get it off. It of her. wrapped around her arm so bad, so strongly it bruised her, and then it struck her glasses and broke her glasses with yeah. it. Okay, yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, and so, left venom on her glasses. So all that. So this shit, woman went and mowed the lawn drunk. Is what you're saying? Something <laughs> happened. Got I don't it. know. Got it. She's mowed how the did she video of it? Well, she didn't have a video. It's, no, of it. it's, it's just it's her like pictures of her. Yeah, her uh, interview. And I thought like it was kind of weird that her daughter was the first one that. Posted it, but she posted it from her business page, which she's a realtor out there. Yeah. Uh, and it got all it's of a sudden got shared sketchy. a million times. It's uh, all very sketchy. Uh, and then the hawk apparently landed on her arm and tore her arm all up. Yeah, okay. She had like old lady skin that looks like you could just barely touch it and she started bleeding. <laughs> but um, Facts. Very I facts. mean, that's the golden triangle, you know, Beaumont, Port Arthur out there. And there's a different breed of people out there. They're <laughs> yeah. like Cajuns that married their cousins. Oof. Gotcha. Like first cousins. Yeah. Not all of them. <laughs> My dad lives out there. Um, some of them marry the And some of our really good friends live out there. But she lives like up in that north section of the Golden Triangle. That's it's questionable. You so, know, like when you cross the border, if you have so to get you should, off I 10 and you go through like Deweyville and you have to cross. Right, they, so you're saying never, never meth and mo. Never meth and mo. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, another article talked about ball pythons in a Florida neighborhood. They said they caught 22 ball pythons in this neighborhood. Holy yeah. crap. Uh, that's not good for us. And they're pretty well, they're, they pretty much think that somebody, they escaped, uh, all of them were from one person and, you know. That's not good for us. Damn it, man. Not in Florida. Uh, Nathan Holcomb posted, okay, I don't know what kind of snake this is, but it's got a weird ass looking face. It looks like a twig and like, it's not the vine snakes with the pointy yeah. nose. This has got like some weird like squished. It looks like if when you break a stick off of a, like a branch off of a tree and the, what's left, that looks like its nose. Huh. Maybe a new. Yeah, it was weird. And then uh, I saw this floating around in several groups. It was a. uh, It's not the snake that's named after Harrison Ford, is it? No, no, no. That was a different one. Oh, okay. 
but this one was is that a I can't tell if it's supposed to be a hog nose or a corn snake, but it's like just it was born with just a neck and a head. I don't yeah, that's crazy. Oh yeah. That like, one was born yeah. Yeah, it's only a few inches long and it doesn't have like a tail and I don't know. think it was born alive. Yeah. I don't think so. Uh that was a weird one. <laughs> I love the video that Nathan Hogan posted of the monitor on marble floor. Did you see that oh, one? Oh, try, yeah. trying to run. Yeah, trying to run full speed yeah. on a marble floor. So cute. Oh, or the one, this one, Luke Stratford, our buddy over in Australia, posted a video from India. They were removing crocodiles from underneath concrete. Yeah. And then as they're trying to catch one, it was another terrifying. one shoots out from behind Did it. Did y'all watch that? Yeah. Yeah, oh, and it goes after people. Like this one guy jumps up on a pole. out of me. These are like full-grown, massive crocodiles coming out of the ground, ready to eat someone. Kind of like alive. this broken concrete. Like they, they must have. There must be some water somewhere on the other side, and then oh, they they have to they burrow underneath. They managed to get underneath, and it. then they broke the concrete above. I haven't seen that. Yeah, they they were talking about how they could hear this noise on the under the concrete, and they couldn't figure out what it was, and then they found out that it's like a giant crocodile nest. Wow. Yeah. I gotta see. Here, I uh, I'll actually I'll put it up on the screen. And we'll roll it. There it is. Uh, that's. Here, I'll rewind it. But you can see they're trying to catch this crocodile out of here. And then like. And then another one comes. comes another there's one, one right here laying. Wow. And another one comes popping up out of here in a second. And these wow. guys are not ready for it. No, no. The, Holy crap! You'll see the guy with the camera. He it looks like his foot. Up, he like jumped and up a pole. And here comes. Wow! They've yeah. only got one catch pole too. Yep, yep. Yeah. And this guy jumped on the this pole. This guy's like, oh god. Oh man. Yeah, that, that, was, that was scary. Uh, this was a great one. Someone posted a picture of a baby decay snake they found. That's itty oh, Yeah, I saw that one. That is crazy how small that is. Oh, There's I found book. I found this book at uh, Half Price Books. Does it fart? It's a whole book on if certain animals can fart. Did you read the inside of the cover? I did not. Okay, so the inside of the cover, the book was started because someone asked her if a snake could fart. Which they can't. I've held snakes while they farted, so and I know that one's true. So, but that's what started this whole... There's actually three books in this series. Um, one is all about poop. One is all about slime. And this one's about whether or not animals fart. Yeah, so if you ever wondered if a certain uh, species can fart, this book will tell you whether they can fart or not. It's pretty cool. Well, I've I actually tell, read... I can tell you rhinoceroses fart so loud we were right next to four of them and i forgot it sounded like someone was blowing a tuba i'm like what is that he's like ah oh, they fighting that's <laughs> so funny Fotting. uh our listener our listener ryan Gosselos went to south africa and he posted some pictures of nile crocodiles he saw in south africa which would be awesome that's cool very very cool i would love to see the migration of wildebeest and stuff when Nile now crocodiles are eating them we just went so we that's the first camp we went to we timed it for the big migration, and it was kind of a Charlie Brown moment. You get to the river, it's the Maasai, Maasai River, and all these wildebeest and all these zebra pile up on one side. But the, what they don't show you is there's also a hundred land cruisers with tourists with big lenses all <laughs> with And you wait and wait and wait. And they only cross when they decide to cross. It's not like they just cross all the time. We sat for two hours and the crocs were there, but they were literally sound asleep on the side of the river and not one damn animal crossed. And, and the, the guide in our car got a call saying that they had spotted a leopard. And he goes, do you want to keep waiting for the migration? Or do you want to see the leopard? We're all like, let's go leopard. So we didn't see a damn animal get eaten by anything. Although we were there, we oh. saw the crocs. 
but they just look like big alligator or big dinosaurs sleeping on the side of the river. I should be like, all right, everybody get in your cars and drive behind the wilderness. And uh, it's crazy the, the amount of cars. And what's weird is the herd, and again, there's thousands of them, they would sometimes, instead of crossing, they would just all of a sudden start to move upriver or downriver. And when that happens, all 125 cars start their engines, back up, and start following, which puts up this huge cloud of dust. And I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This is not what I thought. I want to see a zebra's head getting ripped off. <laughs> you and James. Oh, my gosh. I, come on. It'd be freaking awesome. I mean, we, we grew up watching Discovery Channel when they could actually show things getting eaten. Correct. And watching that. Correct. Yeah. yeah it didn't happen. And it, and it does happen. I mean, this is the, the time it happens. But you've got to be willing to sit all day, every day, for days to capture those amazing foot. Uh, those amazing amazing images but you know for a person that's only at that camp for two days that's not how we wanted to spend our time yeah, i see that uh jason morrow posted this one this is a neat one so this little gecko from uh, madagascar it's now it's a species but it's actually been in the hobby like for like 20 years and they're now realizing it's actually a different species it's not the species they thought it was oh. uh, and so it got listed as its own species it's just interesting something that we've known about oh i posted this one it's a Fat ass monitor lizard. Uh, if you watch the video, this thing like it, it looks like it weighs. It just falls out of a tree there. Uh, it weighs like four monitor lizards in one monitor lizard. It's got a beer belly. Uh, I didn't actually watch why it was fat. I just saw it. I was like, they're putting it on a diet. They're talking yeah. about how it they need it needs to lose weight and ways they're going to do that and stuff like that. Stop feeding it. Just yeah, stop feeding it. Like, it. It's a reptile. It can go a while. It it weighs. Like, look at the guy just walk in there. He's going to put a leash on this thing. And that, that monitor doesn't want to move. Oh, God, no. Oh, he is big. <laughs> he, he's those McDonald cheese curds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quit feeding them fried cheese. And then, yeah. the, and then the boa that they got found. So that was what we no, got. no, no. Keep going. Keep going, though. What? That's it. No, no, no. Right. right. Oh, That's oh all I got. Refresh your page. Oh, my bad. Is there... There is an amazing picture that Erica McVeigh showed of yep. Lily checking out the podcast. Oh, there it is. She was super excited to watch right, Bruce Erica, Ireland on the a, podcast. Erica, tonight. you're a bad parent. Hi, by Lily. Lily. Hi, Lily. Hi, Lily. <laughs> Don't let a kid watch us. That's a horrible <laughs> idea. What's a kid watch? I mean, we let our kid listen to it. I try not to. I, I didn't think bad words. I can say that much. <laughs> That's right. This, look, I'm a teacher all day. This is my one chance to get them out. I got to get them out before I go back to work. And then Robert and shared it, the video that we watched. Yes, yeah, so you all can see the giant bull snake that that was talked about earlier oh, that Bruce called. That play, that, that guy's a badass. <laughs> okay, so, so watch what happens. So I'm telling him to, to touch the end of the snake's tail with the broom so it comes to me. I pick it up here. It tries to bite me. I don't know how many times when he turns the camera the right way, he flips the camera here. Okay. And that thing is trying to hit me in the stomach. Luckily it didn't, but that's when I realized right there, how big that snake was. Like I am so excited and it keeps trying to come out of the bucket. He's trying to bite me. <laughs> trying to come out of the bucket. I'm so excited that I'm like full of adrenaline. I'm not even paying attention to whether I get bitten or not. And, uh, and finally, I get the lid on, and and I take the phone, and then I show the homeowner, who up until this point didn't want to be on camera, uh, and I'm like, okay, give me the phone. 
we got to go down a little bit away from these woods, and I want to pull this thing back out again. I got to see how big the snake is. Yeah, I was. I don't know. You can hear it in my voice. I get excited easily, but not that easily. And this was, I was super excited. Erica said, oh my God, she lives with us. She's immune. I mean, we've, we've that's kind of like our kids. Talk, so. Our kids, she's like, I just don't repeat what I hear. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a 10 gallon trash can. And it was massive in the bottom of that. Yeah, I love that video. I just love that snake. I don't love the video as much as I love that snake. Everybody go check that out. It's over on our discussion page. You can see it. It's a, it's a huge bull snake. But, all right, we are man, we are over two hours. Yeah. Uh, all right, Bruce, if people want to check you out, if they want to see this stuff, if they want to follow you and your adventures and all the animals you save and remove, where can they find you? Yeah, um, so we do have a YouTube page. Um, <clears throat> it's the RBI, like runs battered in. So RBI Snake Wrangler. And then on Instagram, um, I am Wrangler underscore Bruce. And both those uh, platforms, it's just my day-to-day snake calls, not a lot of editing, not a lot of fancy film work. I do hold the camera for most of them. So a lot of people give me grief saying, why don't you get a film crew? Well, if you're a film crew and you want to come film me for free, come on down to San Diego, California, because I don't have the money to buy a film crew. <laughs> Sounds like someone needs to teach their kid how to hold a camera. <laughs> well, they're too busy now. They're not. They used to think I was cool, and now at twelve and fourteen, dad getting snakes is kind of cheesy. And uh, we got other things to do. I get. That. We haven't hit that yet. Nah, not fully. It's, it's it's there. Is it? It's there. I'm sorry. Just like the yeah. anytime you suggest anything, it's automatically a bad idea. Yeah, but yeah. God forbid we let her choose it on her own. It's going to be like the coolest thing ever. Right. Right. That's kids, though. We were all kids. Remember that. I, was, we I, ne- I never sucked. I was always amazing. <laughs> my mom has told me on multiple times that I was not nearly as bad as she is in moments because I will call my mother to apologize for wow. my behavior as a parent. And she's wow. like, you weren't, you were never this emotional. It's okay. So she's either lying to me or I'm just or not as much of a badass as my mom is. Yeah, that's good. That's a good story. Girls cry too much. <laughs> Can't handle it. Anyways, uh, before we go, also, everybody else, uh, check out Herb's Reptile Shows. Go say hi to Robert. He'll be in Brian College Station this weekend. Uh, use code GUMBO22 on VivTech to buy your UVB LED light bulbs. Go do it. They're great bulbs. Um, little Shop of Horrors. Contact them for all your feeder needs, insect needs, rodent needs if you're in Texas. I'm missing something. Oh, uh, Contact Robert for a rack cage sign pencils, anything. Um, be looking at. We're going to have stickers soon for the Reptile Gumbo podcast that we can we can send out too. What? Nothing. <laughs> uh, so much stuff to do. <laughs> so much. Uh, Bruce, hang around for a minute as we log off. Everybody else, we will be back next week with someone I haven't decided yet. We'll be back next week. Uh, but very. Me, I had a blast. You guys are so much fun and. Uh, had a lot of fun uh, just having fun with you guys. It was great. Yes. Awesome stories. We, we never go this long, and it's been – normally I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go, but this is great. I'll say this, I, uh, I haven't fussed about wanting to go downstairs, so it's great. Yep. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. I always I always get nervous doing these things because I'm such a dork, and I don't like to really talk or be on film. But this was fun, and you guys are great because you made me feel very relaxed and comfortable. So thank Good. you. Awesome. I'm so glad. Well, you stick around, and everybody else will see you next week. Good night. 
Good night.